Listen to subscribe to The Table of Truth on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. Welcome everybody to The Table of Truth. This is your man Cam. Today we're doing a special episode of Blurred Lines. We're going to be focusing on Lovecraft Country and a couple other geeky stuff. Um, with me today is... Yo, it's Josh. What's going on? Whatever. And our spe- oh, <laughs> and our special guest. <laughs> Getting ahead Go of ahead. There. Uh, jumping. jumping the gun. Uh, it's uh, D. What's up, everybody? And um, yeah, man, we're, you know, we wanted to hop on because uh, all three of us have been watching Lovecraft Country and it is freaking amazing. If you haven't seen it, if you have not seen it, turn this off right now, go watch it <laughs> and then come back and then join in because re- spoilers abound. <laughs> and we cannot. Yeah, there's no, yeah, we have to, we got to talk about all of it from top to bottom. Um, but yeah, and then, um, but yeah, so, so with Lovecraft Country, um, what I just to get out the way, if uh, we have to make sci-fi and fantasy shows to teach white people about the racism, I am all for it. You're for it. <laughs> I, I support that <laughs> because that ish is kind of crazy. I like that. The so for the first episode, it was a uh, it, it focused on sundown uh, uh, sundown towns. And what people didn't know at the time, if you if you know some of your histories, if you don't, you know, whatever. But a lot of people started to find out is Sundown Towns reference basically when um, towns across the country that were not safe for black people. And they had huge ass signs being like, hey, once the sun goes down, niggas is getting killed. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> a good way of putting it. <laughs> that's the nice way of saying it. Exactly. What, so, what's amazing is people don't realize these things still exist. Yeah, yeah. that's yes, uh, do. you know, and I think that's the part that I like that you know, the one thing about the Lovecraft, which is cool, is that people would see it on TV and they're like, "That's not real," and then they go to the Google using Beyonce's internet, and they're like, "Oh, <laughs> oh, it's real. Oh, oh, it's still going on right now." <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you mean they they're not making it up? Yeah, but um, no, nah, man. So, how, hey, hey, hey! Racism, racism does not exist in America, Ken. Yeah, <laughs> Obama, Obama fixed it, y'all. Yes, yeah, yes. You know, hey, shout America. out, shout out to Barry in the tan suit, hanging out on the island, just chilling now. <laughs> no, Illuminati. But um, yeah, guys, how do you like? So I think what we'll do is let's do overall impressions of the show itself but then maybe then we can break it down to per episode so i'll go d will go with you first but just like in general for the three episodes like how have you enjoyed mm-hmm. like or how how has the impression of the show left you i mean you know it's left me with a pretty good impression and you know i'm pretty hard to get over so you know i i i Honestly, didn't know what to expect from the show. I'm fairly familiar with. I had not read Lovecraft Country, the novel itself, but I am fairly familiar with uh, H. Howard Philip Lovecraft and his uh, monstrous racism, which uh, again, it's it's very uh, inter- intertwined with the sort of historical narrative of uh, of America itself. But um, the 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 show Howard Philip Lovecraft. Yes, Howard Philip Lovecraft. Um, government. 
Yes, his whole his full government name. He died broken, penniless. By the way, if that gives anyone any uh any solace out there. But anyway, um, <laughs> I like the show. Um, I think that it has a really really strong cast, and uh, for me, that's that's uh that's really been a good part of the storytelling is is how well that they're really selling these kind of weird tales. Um. And just the historical aspect of it, the blend of 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 so much uh, iconography from uh, black culture and and not just as it stands in America, but um, the the ancestral lineage that you see within the, the story itself. It's I think it's it's really palpable. It's really strong uh, drawing on these kind of uh, horrific um elements that ha- that are in our past present and foreseeable future um that we don't think about and i think the show's doing a really good job of of just in this first three episodes of just putting that in your face and making it tense and uncomfortable as it should be definitely dude josh what you think uh i mean i think the last part is probably what sticks out the last part of what d said is what sticks out most to me. Um, just and just HBO shows in general. If I could broaden the scope for just a second, um, I feel like they they've done a great job. Like with Watchmen, first episode of Watchmen out the gate, Tulsa Massacre. Like yeah. they're yeah. they're they're not pulling any racial punches. Like yo, so this is the racist uh, the racist history of America on display in in fiction. So it's perhaps a little bit more palatable. But nonetheless, yeah. you know, because of the type of, of fictional story they're telling, it still grips you. It still punches you in the face. It's still like, oh, yeah, that happened. And, oh, yeah, yeah. we're actually impacted by it. Yeah. <clears throat> and, and, the, and the ramifications of all the things that happened back then are still palpable and, ten, and, and, and tangible today. Um, so that that definitely jumps jumps out at me uh, as a as a. The beginnings of a pattern with HBO, which I openly welcome. Um, yeah, I think that that's the thing that was kind of cool because I think you know tying in you know uh, history aspects into the sci-fi mm-hmm. and fantasy realm add gives it a nice layer to play with. And then like we've all, all three of us have talked about this before, how we're bored and annoyed of like the same story being told over and over again. Yeah. You know, the the slave story or the butler story or the maid story or whatever. And like we all know that there's rich history that you can pull from. So right. you know, it was good that, you know, the way Watchmen just, you know, Watchmen didn't have to be in Tulsa. Like that right that no. that story could have been told anywhere else but because it was set in Tulsa it gave it a different a different layer and a yeah. different level of of deepness that that made it make making it like it was when they they picked Tulsa they're like okay we're doing this for a reason because we wanted to make sure that it in, impacts the rest of the story exactly and I thought that was, and I thought that, that's the part that I liked a lot because I was kind of like oh man like you guys didn't have to do that y'all could have done Kansas City or you know New York as always or you know something like that but by p- picking uh, that place and setting it with that that changed the narrative and gave it a, a different layer that most people didn't have because yeah. again when that happened People started looking that up. They're like, "Wait, Tulsa riots? Black people? When did this right. happen?" Mm-hmm. Blah, 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 blah. You know, right. and it was interesting too because you know I, the narrative that they kind of presented was kind of like the Klan was the one that kind of did it, and they got all grouped together. But in reality, it was literally just a bunch of regular ass people that just hate black people, and they went to go right. 
right. literally the like the bare bones basics um and tying it into uh the dc if you go to washington dc to the african-american uh, museum uh they have a night they have a i only say nice but they have a dope exhibit and they kind of have a lot of things about it they have a lot of things that's going on their struggle to um to to sue and get reparations from that situation which mm-hmm. I actually i think recently um just i think literally like two three days ago i think they just um cleared another hurdle to actually sue the city um and the state for descendants of everybody from that aspect because they killed yep. 300 more black people and yeah, like they they ended entire lines of families you know you just got to think about the gravity of that entire families were wiped off the face of the earth um and and they stole their wealth you know it wasn't mm-hmm. just that they killed them they took what was theirs and then gave that to their children um, yeah, and I you know, and I think yeah. that's that's that level of deepness is something that people don't really think about. And now tying it back to Lovecraft uh, Country, um, you know, I haven't read the book. I actually now I'm more interested. But I think I'm going to finish the show first. But I like that you know in that first episode, you know, the first episode, three quarters of the episode, it's just black people surviving racism, <laughs> like and like it's, it's straight up period totally. piece. Yeah. Yeah. It starts from being subtle to just something of as, as simple as you know the 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 uh, bus stopping down, and Tick realizing that when the 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 uh, the new ride comes in, instantly recognizing they're not here for us. We're we he grabs the 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 suitcase of the elderly black woman and it's like you know let's go I got you because they're they're not here for us we, you know so it's even from that moment you you see what this, uh, they set the tone instantly right there. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I thought that was like, that That kind of lets you know from jump, like where their heads were at. And then um, another thing that was interesting to me, like I personally don't like horror movies or horror stories. It's not my genre. Like I respect the, the ones that are really dope, but I just don't watch it on a regular basis. And for that aspect of the show to kind of bring in and I, I actually was kind of like oh you already hooked me in with the racism and now i'm staying for the horror <laughs> right and then, and then i was like oh wait the horrors happen to all the white people okay i'm really in <laughs> yeah exactly yeah and yeah, it, yeah. It, it's very interesting because it it kind of is almost like a visual um double entendre if that's even a thing uh, maybe i can work it out really quick but uh that the racism is the horror, but the horrors are happening to the 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 perpetrators of racism. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that that is that is so hard, probably, in if you're just trying to tell that story to pull off. Because one of the things that's interesting about Watchmen and uh and lovecraft country to to compare the two is that watchmen is a story is a was a story about where racism exists in the mythology and it's more of a MacGuffin. and uh there's a new there's a story that involves racism but but uh it's 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 layered to the point where it's also about um uh, uh the con- uh, more conspiracies than just uh white people versus black people um the the sci-fi goes a little more deeper than what we're in in the same sense lovecraft country has a similar vibe in which there's something deeper going on and it's not just about just about racism racism is a part of the world aesthetic uh as a part of that 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 period 
Um, so th- I think that's what makes those two narratives even more interesting because unlike stories in the past have involved uh, uh, people of color, it's always, you know, something that is sort of one dimensionally, especially with horror, one dimensional racist, a racist villain, racist uh, story, uh, storyline and an outcome is their non-racist characters win. And I think yeah. these these stories, these two specifically uh, now Lovecraft Country is handling it a little bit different that makes being black in fantasy more uh, feel like it's less forced and more, okay, this is how black people exist in these fantasy worlds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I thought that was the thing that was kind of crazy because, you know, here we are, they show, you know, where they show us our three uh, protagonists and each one, you know, there's a couple of things, a couple of secrets, a couple of, hmm, a couple yeah. of eyebrow raises. Yeah. And then, you know, I like that they were kind of like, okay, they're very distinctive. They all have their own motivations. Exactly. And, as, and them taking this trip to go to where they need to go to, um, they're starting to bond because of the trip that they're taking. And then they mm-hmm. show little pieces of like, you know, I like that they gave you that glimpse of, you know, because I think the, uh, again, most, and, you know, we're in a, in a state, Black Lives Matter, and like, you know, what's going on with the, the protesting and stuff. But I think people really forget that we're literally one generation removed from that shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, our parents, like, like, we're kids when stuff like that used to happen Absolutely. on a regular basis. And we, we as black people, we have our own racism that happens to us, but we don't have, we, we, we have a little bit inclination of what happened back then. But like to see it again and done it so and recreated in a certain way, where I'm just like, damn, like, yeah, like you know, in our current state of our, you know, our 2020 brains, of course, we'd be like, man, I would knock that dude out, blah 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 blah. But then going back, back to then, then and how then they had to like, like anywhere near that simple, like Ooh, it, it wasn't that simple, yeah. Oof, and that. I think that that you're right. That's a, that's a really good point. I was thinking about that um, right after I watched this last episode. You know, the scene where Letty. Um, you know, she she busts the windows out and, and and she had enough, obviously, after they burned the cross. And um, but, you know, they all had guns. And, and, and the way that resolved itself, I just was almost just clapping my hands in the fact that, they, <laughs> that, they, that again, that's that show. It's just one of those things that show if 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 white people weren't paying attention, this is how black people have to live in America. It's not like a. <laughs> That you may look at this as fantasy, and perhaps yes, it's hyperbole, but it's still not. It's still true. And yeah, exactly like the part and, where you know, you know, she finally had enough. You know, in the scene, this is the third episode, and you know, the she moves into a, a white neighborhood and the white part of Chicago, and the, they parked their cars out, put uh, bricks on their horns, and tied the bricks there, so then the horns are always going. And so she had finally, you know, they, the, a, a cross got burned on the on the lawn. She had enough. She grabs a bat. She goes out there and starts breaking the windows. The white people start to come out to see what's going on. And, of course, they're calling the police. And then um, Tick and his friends grab some guns just in case, you know, shit goes down. And then once they hear those sirens, yo, sister come, rolls up with, the, with her car. They throw the guns in the back of the trunk. Sister drives off with the guns. The police roll up. They automatically drop to their knees, put their hands behind their head. Yeah, they're already <laughs> like, not even a question. Yeah, and I and I think the thing that jumps out at me the most about just the overall portrayal of the characters, the world that they inhabit, the thing that I like the most is it isn't just it isn't just it's more than a period piece, like or it's one of the best period pieces I've ever seen. In that 
they do a good job of allowing the time period, the environment, the protagonists, everything informs what goes on with the mm-hmm. lead characters. Everything mm-hmm. informs how they yeah. act, how who they are, how they mm-hmm. respond to the world around them. Yep. Everything. And it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like you're watching uh a bunch of people in, in 2020 portray something that happened in the sixties. You really yeah. feel like you're watching something happen in like like almost like a newsreel. Like, yo, this is a family that had these there's a group of people that had these jacked up things happen to them in the sixties. And you're watching yeah. in real time. There they doesn't they yeah. feel like they're just, you know, they're, they're like they're just playing a role. There's a certain and I think that's brought to it. Yeah, and I think the you know, one of the things I noticed too was a lot of the subtlety aspects of it. Like there was a, a character that owned a bar that was gay. He was getting a blowjob by a dude in the back. And it wasn't treated as like a weird thing. It was kind of like, oh, just caught someone in a lewd act. Okay. Sorry about that. <laughs> yep. So anyways, zip. What'd you need? Okay. Yeah. You need this. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. He went that way. All right, cool. Next scene. And I like that, like that subtlety in, in having this fully realized world where of course there's gay people. Or of course there's yeah. this, there's that, 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 that. It yeah. wasn't treated as this big thing. And I thought that was dope because that kind of again fleshed out the real world of what they were living in and so you yeah. know having the block the earlier in the episode in the first one they have a block party and everyone's out you know the black people are singing and everyone's dancing and you know earlier the police had uh had uh stopped the um the fire hydrant from water coming out so the kids couldn't play and then tick comes out and, and reopens it and like everyone's having a good time and so you know and uh, our Mary, our main one of the main characters tick he you know he was the uh, kind of the nerdy uh, kid that people used to pick on? Goes off into the war, comes back. You know, niggas diesel now. <laughs> <laughs> now he's the, now he's the John Henry Irons of the neighborhood. Yeah, yeah, he's he he is <laughs> oh legend. Like he walking tall. Like he just don't yep. need he don't need the two bar the two bar yep. four. But exactly. I just wanted to say <laughs> one one quick thing back to the the point of. Um, <clears throat> You know, you guys had mentioned that the, we're only we're less than or just about a generation removed. Many of our parents or especially grandparents lived this. They were young during this time. And I was just thinking to myself, it's crazy uh, the different struggle that we go through. But we they lived in a time where it was li- these things were literally the law of the land. It was commonplace. Yeah, it was everyday life. It's commonplace. Now you have to think about that. That we we have that reaction that oh I would have did this I would do that, but at the same time you you got to think about the equivalent today. Would you hit a police officer? Because mm. that was the that would that was the exact consequence of a black person a person of color striking a white person. Yeah, it wasn't America. even you going to jail. You're going to get strung up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. And my mom she grew up in California and. Her parents were from the South. They moved to California to kind of get away from the South. And then in California, they owned a house and all that. So they had they did have upward mobility more than they would have had in the South. But right. then they had the more subtle, you know, that liberal white racism. Yeah. <laughs> and so they had to deal with that aspect of it. And so, you know, she was you telling me stories about when she was in high school and you know, those kind of things. And then she grew up and, you know, she has a... Um, both my parents speak uh, eloquently and uh, enunciate, <laughs> and, so, and so they 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 have a ton of stories of being on having phone interviews or talking to someone on the phone and then showing up and then the person being like, oh, uh, oh, 
oh, well, you a nigger. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't realize that. I, okay. Oh, 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 okay. That's oh, interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. The, oh, yeah. So the position has been filled. Um, mm. Sorry. Didn't know that, you know, like those type of things. Yeah. And they're telling me these stories as very matter of factly. And I'm like, yo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's wild because coming from a Caribbean background, our, like to hear my mom tell it, it was just like, you know, she came here at sort of the tail end of the civil rights movement. So a lot of things were already sort of on the mend, but coming from an Island where unless British or Indian people rolled through, you really didn't have to pay deference to anybody. It was just like, yo, everybody here looks like me and the people who don't, you know, even the, the white Caribbean people who are, who, you know, are several generations uh, living on the island, like, you know, at, at, at a certain point, it's kind of like, you know, unless, like I said, unless you're British, like, as soon as you hear that British accent, immediately there's a whole other thing that comes into play that sort of falls in line with, mm-hmm. like, your parents' story, uh, that the, the, the story that you just gave about your parents' camp. Um, yeah. And similarly with Indian people, yeah, which is a whole other ball of wax. But, you know, outside of that, you really didn't have to deal with that on a day-in, day-out basis in, in yeah. the West to the degree... It existed, but I mean, because it's majority African descendants on the on most of the islands, you it, it, it's tempered. So when you come here, it's like a complete culture shock, and yeah. you know you you definitely deal with a little bit of yo. If I was home, <laughs> if I yeah. was home man, listen, yeah. but, you know you you quickly snap too, and you realize like yo, this is not you know the the story that I constantly the end of that story for every one of my elders ends up being, but you know that I'm here and it's not home, so I can't really rock the way I would rock if I was home because, you know, home, I'd have been awesome, you know, I know where you live. <laughs> but exactly. here, you can't, you can't do nothing. You're like, alright, well, you know, uh, 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 th- th- thanks for thanks for giving me a shot and, you know, I'll, I'll apply again when you guys have another uh, when you guys have another opening and you might get a, yeah. no, I don't bother. <laughs> yeah. And and I think also too, you know, even with um, with the main character Tick and how you know he's formed the military. So he and this is around the Korean War. So he's out here fighting in the wars, doing all this stuff, and coming back, and then having to deal with not punching people in the face because he's like, I know I can break this dude in half, but that doesn't the the residuals isn't worth it. Yeah. And so uh, I thought that that the way they kept with that subtleness, that's the part that was dope. Now flipping it, um. Now that we've gotten in the world of, you know, hey, racist America, blah, 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 blah. Then to add in the supernatural into it, it's just like, yo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's... I got to deal with racist white people and I got to deal with monsters? Like, yeah, what? Uh, monsters and wizards and, and of the yo. Lovecraft variety. This ain't of the, <laughs> like... <laughs> the Tolkien. This is the Lovecraft variety. These are the ones mm-hmm. that eat every piece of your body and, and don't leave anything for scraps. <laughs> Yo, and, and I thought about that too. Where um, uh, I thought about that as well. Where I was kind of thinking about it. Where you know, you again, you're dealing with racism and everything else, and then you're now having to deal with the uh, the metaphysical world that you can't really explain. Yeah, and that part of it's going to be more even crazier. Yeah, because um, like you know, out here, you know, in the you know, it's 2020 or whatever. Um, you know if you know, you're you know you're in a modern city. These things are going blah 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 blah. You're living your life, and then this crazy thing happens to you. You know that you're kind of like uh, not more accepting of it, but you're kind of just figuring out how to how to deal. Like I was was watching uh oh old guard on Netflix, and then the main protagonist she you know she's a 
black woman. She's a soldier. That's what she wanted to do. And then this crazy thing happens to her that she can't really uh, like process. And she's like, what the heck? This is so weird. It's so crazy to her. But she's still figuring it out as she goes. We're like, mm-hmm. here you are in the, you know, was it the 50s? And you're already dealing with racism. You're dealing with you can't do this, you can't do that. You try to make sure your family's good, and then you add on wizards and freaking monsters that eat you and like <laughs> and yeah. ghosts and this yeah. all this other stuff on top of trying to uh, battle live in a racist America. Like yo, yeah, yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah. A, that's a lot. That is a lot. Exactly, and and that's I think that's as everything you just articulated is what makes the the series so um, enticing and. Whether we go back and look at it and be and say, ah, well, it wasn't, uh, it was maybe there was a little more hype than anything. It, it remains to be seen. But right now, all these things are in play, and it is an experience watching it. I mean, they're finding. I give all credit in the. You mentioned that you got you're not into horror, and I'm like the exact opposite. Like I'm, I'm horror, dark fantasy, all that that stuff, and so. The thing about that, and when it comes to the the visual cinema or TV, uh, film or TV, it's it's hard to be creative and scaring people because uh, people aren't easily scared, especially in today's society when there's so much shit going on, <laughs> so much yeah. real, real stuff happening mm-hmm. that you know you have to find creative ways to. Uh, to make things frightening. I mean, at the core of all of it is the loss of control. But what I'm watching these episodes, I'm like, wow, they find good, subtle visual ways to uh, make you a little bit fearful of what you're about to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. I think that that part is, I feel like there's actual danger as I'm watching. Oh, it. hell like, yeah. I'm yes. like, I don't, I don't know if they're going to get through this. Like, yes. <laughs> like, yeah, who, who, you like, don't know who's going to survive, who's not. I mean, yeah, and I, I think I, the I, thing I, that's, that's, that's equally, that I equally appreciate. There's not, there's not even a discussion about, yo, how, who, who do we tell about this? Like, nobody's going to believe any of that story. Right, there's right. no one you could possibly even begin to share that story. The, the stories of what they've witnessed and what they've been through. There's no. no one who's gonna believe it. So it's not even discussion no about whether or not you're gonna share it with anybody. No mm, one. I and see. and that's and that that's a subtle uh link to parallel to black life in it itself. Think about it. <laughs> yeah. When yeah, when it comes to when it comes to dealing with exactly when it comes to trying to talk to people who are not black about racism and about dealing with the police and about living as in a black person in America, most of the time people don't believe you. (laughs) So you Mm -hmm. usually have these conversations amongst other black people and they get it. But to everyone else, you're insane. That's not true. That's not happening. That's crazy. Yeah, you're right. I didn't even think about that layer of it too, because yeah, that's a, that's a good, and it's funny because to even parallel with that, like um, my my siblings, my younger brothers, they're they're they've been have they've been kind of real uh, blackity black black on their socials of late, <laughs> <laughs> and so and I was laughing because they are uh, they're church going guys, you know, saw the earth probably like literally the, the twins are the nicest people that I know in real life, mm-hmm. and. They are kind of, they have a lot of church friends and that kind of stuff. And so their church friends are like, hey, 
you've been real, real, real angry lately. Is there, is there a reason? <laughs> and so them being positive, nice people are like, yeah, man, black people are getting killed in the streets. Like, yeah. it's just kind of serious. And then yeah. their friend's reaction are kind of the typical tropes that most white people say when black people express black pain and that kind of stuff. And so they're just kind of, they're taken aback because they're looking at these people as their friends that they would understand or have empathy. And yeah. they're just like, well, how come he just didn't apply, comply with the police? Mm. You know, hey, how, how come he just didn't, you know, X, Y, Z? And my, my brothers are like, wait, what? Really? <laughs> yeah. And so they feel, they feel like weird because they're like, yo, you guys don't believe us? Like, yeah. this happened. Like, and so it was interesting that they had to go through that and like i think it was a good lesson for them because i think it reminded them that the two americas that we kind of live in and that subtlety and that aspect of it and then bring it back with love with lovecraft country yeah it's it's like that you just saw a big ass monster and you're trying to tell people and they're just like come on man yeah yeah it happened you came over today (laughs) yeah yep and that big ass monster is 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 white privilege and 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 it's 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 the one that that both uh the north and south east and west no matter which region you are in if you're white you have it and you share it Mm -hmm. um whether you want to admit it or not (laughs) so so that's 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 what that's that monster that they can't uh that no one believes exists (laughs) yeah exactly and it was crazy because i um I really like the daughter character um, in the show because she acknowledges the the racism that happens to black people and then also acknowledges the being a woman and how the, how that is, but then also being like, but I'm also a white woman, so I got my own privilege. <laughs> right, right. And so yeah. it's like, I mean, don't you know, forget it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's like being, being a woman is hard because people don't think you could do shit, da, 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 blah, blah, blah. But I'm a white woman. Yeah, so. but remember, I'm a white woman. So there's yep. that yeah, in yeah, itself yeah. has a again it ha- it has a whole level of power not just in America but in the world. Uh, mm-hmm. I can, you know I could tell you stories of of uh, some of my white uh, lady friends who who tell me stories of like when simply just like crying in the foreign country got them what they wanted like or like yeah. just like you know it, it's 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 a thing. And people, again, if you don't, you know, you can willfully ignore it or you can, <laughs> you can acknowledge it as a fact, but it is a thing. Well, I think that yeah. a lot of white America doesn't really, they, 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 they have trouble acknowledging things that don't happen to them. And so, you know, I think Cam, you, you say this all the time, you know, it, it, America is not a place where people care for like caring for the next person is not something that comes naturally. And so until until something, until something happens to you directly, it's over there and it's distant and it's, you know, yeah, it's uh, the other it's detached from you. And so because exactly, and because it's the other, it's really easy for you to dismiss and dismiss and act like that thing doesn't happen Mm. until it happens to you. And, yeah. you know, kudos to any white person who doesn't do that. You know, if you yeah, are able to uh, well. down at, you know, and look at the ills of the world, not just the injustices that happen to black people, although personally that is important to me, but, um, you know, just to look at the, at the ills of the world and be like, yo, that's wrong. That should not be happening. You are way further ahead of the curve than most of the people that you know, I promise you, whether you realize it or not. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. And I think that's the, the, you know, for Lovecraft Country, like, 
them kind of going through that, seeing you know these three characters having this traumatic experience about almost being eaten, <laughs> <laughs> and then you know making it past the trees, and then all of a sudden they get to like a mansion, and then all of a sudden this white person was like, "Oh, you're right, you're right on time. Uh, here's your room. Uh, clean clothes over here. Dinner's at eight. Talk to you later." And they're just like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh, you got ran those to monsters? Whew. Yeah, they're, they're kind of pesky, but I'm glad you guys survived. So anyways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, and it wouldn't, again, it's, if you know, if you, Lovecraft was Stephen King before Stephen King, so it's going to get weirder. Yeah, and I think that's the one thing, too, I think, um, as you were saying earlier, like Lovecraft, horrible person, but awesome creativity. <laughs> well, absolutely, he he was a uh, he was a piece of work, and not just because he was anti-black, but he was anti-Semitic. He was um, uh, misogynist, and all those things. Uh, they all he all he wore all of those hats, shirts, and uniforms. But uh, he was a great writer, and um, he got more credit after his life than he did while he was living and probably mm. rightfully so person like that doesn't deserve to be put on a pedestal as while they're alive, they need to be deconstructed while they're dead. So we understand that the, again, here he is a great writer, a very, he, he gave us a brilliant genre of, of, um, of fantasy to work with, but better writers have come along and done what he's done, but much better. I think. Yeah. So, no, I agree. Question and I think, you, oh, go ahead, question for you, sorry. Question for you, D'Angelo, as the literary yeah. scholar between the three of us. How do you think people uh, contextualize and sort of uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The, the contextualize and sort of come to reconcile. That's the word. Um, the fact that he that 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 Lovecraft was who he was. Like on the one hand, he was this brilliant author who single handedly created and elevated a specific genre of literature and storytelling, but he was also a horrible person. Like how do, how do you being, how do you, how do you see people reconciling and relating and contextualizing that? I think um, one of the things I would say, and this is, this is speaking, uh, taking off my disgust for him as a uh, racist white man, Mm -hmm. um, and and thinking about the, the him as a literary figure look at i would tell people to look at his background he was a person that was molded into that um he he grew up in uh i believe either maine or new england one of those poor oh. uh east coast areas where you can stop right there <laughs> I well, again so you you put into context uh early 20th century you put into right. context uh, late late 19th, early 20th century is when he basically came of age. Uh, he was isolated, alone, didn't have any, and I don't think his he had great parents. So naturally, he took all of these sort of inner rages and turned them outward on the on people that he deemed unlike him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, blacks, uh, um, any immigrants, uh, Jews, women, like all these things, all of those are the monsters in his books. The, the, the way he describes the, uh, the night gaunts and, uh, some of the elder gods of other worlds, they're all, you know, he has a reverence for, for that darkness. So there's some, <laughs> he had a reverence <laughs> for it, 
but he but it it repulsed him and that's what he put in his stories so yeah i would say that you you see lovecraft's background and you can kind of see uh that his conditions created his consciousness Mm, and therefore informed his narratives if you can cut past all of that you'll find some really well told horror stories really moody really tense and i think that's the dope part because i think i think the in the current climate of things the people are getting challenged about liking a person's art from a horrible person mm. and so and so so you know the, the the quick easy one is like oh this person's canceled everything they did is canceled blah 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 right. but in reality like there's people that have contributed a lot to a creative field but they're horrible people <laughs> absolutely <laughs> you know and i think and i think you know us as being uh as a grown adults i think we can hold both of those things at the same time mm-hmm. you know? and i think the younger generation of us uh, is is hard, having a hard time with that because I remember yeah. I had a conversation with someone about Michael Jackson, and they're just like, "I can't believe you you like Michael Jackson. He's a, a child molester." And I was like, "All right." Yeah, <laughs> I told and I told them I was like, "You know what? I'm not going to discount the the actions. I'm not. I didn't watch the documentary. I have no interest in it. But I was like." But at the same time, I also can appreciate the work that the body of work and, and also hold in the same uh, sentence that this person might have been a, a horrible person. And so, you know, it's and so the same with Lovecraft, like Lovecraft's created like literally the, the stuff that he's created has inspired all the genres of uh, a lot of uh, sci fi and horror people that people like. Mm-hmm. Oh, like, absolutely. Uh... And, and that's. That that level of uh, research and deeping don't they, a lot of people don't understand that and like that's one thing that I don't like that's going on currently is like you know Beyonce's internet is free so you can find anyone's you can find anyone's inspiration you can find anyone's reference yeah. like it's pretty easy you know music art this that like it's not hard yeah so I found Lovecraft that, that way I, that's mm-hmm. that's how I found him he I I loved Stephen King and I love Stephen King and Guillermo del Toro, my two favorite writers, authors, and filmmakers, both are heavily, heavily influenced by H.P. Lovecraft. One's mm-hmm. a white man and one's a Mexican man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> One has admitted that Stephen King acknowledges how racist he is, uh, uh, Lovecraft was. But, you know, like you said, it, it's, I don't think you, I think you can separate those things if you if you are able to kind of compartmentalize and i think that it takes a little bit of time and a little bit of uh wisdom to to be able to do that if you like a thing enough yeah no exactly and i think that's the thing like you know you know the the elephant in the r&b room like yo r kelly horrible wow. human being <laughs> ignition remix one of my favorite remixes of any r&b song of all time agree <laughs> I, like, I, I agree with that I'm not even gonna like. I will dance to it whenever I hear it, and can be completely fine. Feel all the joy that I need, and then after the song is over, I'm like, "Damn, that guy's a horrible person." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but, absolutely. But you're, but you're right, though. I think you know, you know, going from that um that level of uh you know understanding that you can enjoy someone's artistic work, but also recognize that they're a horrible human being. I think that's something that you know more um mature people that are in the creative field can understand that and you don't have to defend them either like none of us are defending lovecraft like that's retarded oh but uh, the- absolutely <laughs> <not>. <laughs> exactly but then we can also be like yo man but this dude like literally created a bunch of shit that people that we really respect 
uh, referenced and then we understand. So now understanding that deepness um, informs that. So now bring that back into the Lovecraft country, they you can kind of see that, like you said, like I you know I don't like horror. I don't have no reference of. You know, I'm not that deep in the, the horror uh, verse and all that. But then the elements and touches that that you know um, that came in, like in the first episode with these monsters that were literally eating these white dudes, and then you find out they're white dudes. <laughs> yeah. You're like, oh snap, and you know, and to what you're saying about um, Del Toro, like I haven't watched his um, what was his uh, his vampire movie or his show? Strain, uh, uh, strain, the strain, yeah, Strange. which is based on the novel that he wrote uh, as well with another author. Yeah, and I remember he was saying that he was like, I like my vampires bloody and and, and eating people, like, yeah. <laughs> like not not glistening and glowing, and then I was like, oh. Oh yeah, it's a Lovecraft theme. Okay, cool. Yeah. Well, <laughs> even even Hellboy, the uh, those um, the the great though gods, the uh, I forget the the name of them, the the ones that are like his the principal antagonist in in the Hellboy story. Those are straight up based on Cthulhu and 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 uh, some of those other unpronounceable name gods from from Lovecraft's mythos from the Cthulhu mm-hmm. mythos. Like the, the, the those cosmic entities that are sort of indescribable, but the best you can, they look like cephalopoid, giant cephalopoids almost. Like the, 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 that's straight up Lovecraft. Hmm. And see, that thing is, and that's what's kind of crazy. And I think, you know, what's going to end up happening is uh, much like how with Watchmen, people started to learn about uh, Tulsa Massacre and all that kind of stuff. And then with the first episode of Lovecraft, they learned about, you know, the sundown towns. Mm -hmm. I think people, the resurgence of people understanding and reading more Lovecraft stuff is going to be very interesting and how that kind of goes. Because, you know, I think the, I like that the second episode kind of turned the uh, prodigal son trope on its head. Mm -hmm. And because like, it was interesting watching the second episode it was it, at first I was like, man, this pacing feels really fast. Yeah. And then I realized I was like, oh, that whole prodigal son opened the gateway to immortality is a small part of a larger story. Yeah. <laughs> Immediately. I was like, like, it wasn't they really like, just gave away the whole farm in this one. Like, yep. episode. And as soon as yeah. I said that to myself, I was like, it's the one episode. It's the second episode. Yep. Oh, my exactly. God. Yeah. How much crap are they going to throw at us? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause yeah. In my head, because I was like, yo. That one episode is usually a movie. Like that would be a, a good ninety-minute movie. Yeah, you know, there's a for like a you know, hour season finale or something. Yep, the secret society comes in. The prodigal son. We're using his blood to open the gateway to blah 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 yada yada yada, and then all this. But then I was like, yo, they, you guys wrap that up in like fifteen minutes. And the fact <laughs> that that's not a season finale only gives me chills about what's to yeah. come. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. Again, like when I say, like I said, don't say it can't get weirder because if if (laughs) it can get weirder and weirder and weirder and beyond weirder. And I like that aspect of it because I mean, um, you know, even with the resolution of the second episode, and you know, you get a little bit more, even in the the high tense moments and the very um, crazy aspects of it, then you get even more little touches. Of like, oh, that might not be his dad. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, yeah. some shit went down. Oh, oh why, why is there why is there a random Asian lady that he's trying to that's trying to kill him? Huh. Like all these little n- nuggets that you start to see, and I liked also too how magic was kind of introduced, but it was kind of like, yeah, this is magic. People are there's wizards, and they're just like, wait, there's wizards? Oh, that's 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 just not good, right? <laughs> and also, but it wasn't like. 
<laughs> oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't mean And it wasn't like, oh my God, there's wizards. Magic is amazing. It was more just like, yo, can you put these magical doors down? Because this ain't working for me right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. It's 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 so I mean, there's so many different subtle I mean, it, I was just I think I was talking to uh Josh about uh the the in episode three with the I love the juxtapositioning of the two uh, different types of uh, of uh, religious uh, faith based magic, if you will, that mm-hmm. that's present in uh, in Black culture, and I think the yep, yep, the yep. the very notion of magic of the so called magical Negro trope is being challenged, and it's also being challenged. It's being challenged in a way of saying, well, maybe scholars are getting this wrong. Maybe the magical Negro isn't something that should be maligned and dismissed. Maybe it's something that is actually a part of black culture because you have all of this uh, divination and these different types of things where you have, again, the juxtapositioning of uh, Pentecostal Christianity with, uh, with um, uh, voodoo or African spirituality or, you know, the low worship, low worship, and things like that, and and in the end, those two things kind of merged a bit uh, because the act of holding hands is basically, you know, that's prayer. Uh, yeah. But they're but they're chanting the old old language and of the uh, and old magic. So I like the the fusing of those two things because I think a lot of a lot of African faiths and again, faith based, uh, uh, different parts. Not because again, you, we're talking Africa, we're talking an entire continent, but a lot yeah, of those yeah. things, because they weren't written down and they were passed down orally, uh, were have again fell into being demonized over the years, uh, through the lens of, of, uh, the, the white, the white narrative. Yeah, and I think the the that and so you know the, we're talking about the third episode where you know Letty gets uh, money magically uh, <laughs> and she buys a house in the white neighborhood, and it's like it's it. And I laugh because like when she's like I bought a house, and then they show the the house. I was like, that is a ghost house. <laughs> like, off rip. Like I saw the I saw the things hanging. I saw the dark clings. And then when she walked in and things were covered, I was like, oh, something's happened here because all the you know my brain went back to all the things I've I've seen in previous movies. Mm-hmm. You know, when there's a when there's a ghost house, it's usually huge. Mm-hmm. It's usually mm-hmm. dark. There's mm-hmm. spider web. There's a spider. You know, there's there's sheets over you know the furniture because someone had lived there before, but something happened. Right. And so I'm like, this is definitely a ghost house. <laughs> and then as you start to go through it, you're like, okay, yeah, it's a ghost it's house. A ghost house. <laughs> and then you're like, okay, it's a white ghost house. Oh wait, there's black ghosts. Oh wait, hold on. And so I like that her mind. The first thing that she went to is she went into research mode. And she went on to because she's already she's already seen you know crazy supernatural stuff. So she was like, "Oh, my house is haunted. I got to figure this shit out." She's so- also journalist, <laughs> which we I like that they brought it back to that that she's kind of a, a photojournalist or you know sort of mm-hmm. amateur journalist. Yeah, and I like that that she you know that that aspect of it was brought in. So again, you see you a you see that you know our uh, strong black heroine is you know ha- you know taking charge of the situation, but then also now her profession is bringing it in because she's mm-hmm. a photographer. So 
she finds it through that. Then she's also a journalist, so she's reading up, putting piecing the you know things together. Exactly. And I thought that part, that part was at, uh, awesome. And then when then when they said, uh, "Oh, my house is haunted. We got to get the spirits out." In my head, I'm thinking exorcist. I'm thinking Catholic. I'm thinking Pentecostal. Right, so I'm right, thinking right. we'll bring a a pastor and instead she brings like a voodoo priestess and yes. i was like oh shit, word yes and my i loved how the the what you see the white character's face and they're just like she's like nonchalantly bringing the goat up to the porch and I, and it's such a brutal scene but at the same time it's like i felt I liked it. I loved it because, again, there's so much demonizing of that practice in yep. American yep. television and, and in Western culture, culture in general. In general. Yeah. And of the last hundred years, uh, black people themselves, ourselves, have have contributed to demonizing that as well. So, yeah, 100%. Uh, it, it was just amazing to see that that was, like you said, that was where she went. and And the juxtaposition is even pal- more palpable because what, what, how does that episode begin? Letty in church watching as those church folk around her get the Holy spirit and shouting, but that's not where she went to to, to save those spirits. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that part was the part that got me. Cause I was like, yo, you've just set up that church is a very important um, aspect of her life. And it's, you know, whatever she might not be, she not might be tied to it, but she definitely respects it. Blah, blah, blah. And then when she, you know, she's into a uh, supernatural uh, problem, the first thing is she goes back to more of the ancestral type of stuff. Hey, yes. And like, yeah, yes. you know, and, and like, boom, cut the goat's uh, n- uh, neck open, blood comes through. Yes. She's like, yo, these are protection spells. Y'all need to hold hands. And then what happens? You know, the water comes and it washes the protection away. Right when that happens, the ghost, you know, takes takes hold of people. So yes. it was really clever that they did that. And I like that. And then even with the resolution where, you know, she's about to fight the supernatural being. She knows she can't do it herself. So then she calls the the victims or the other black ghosts that are there mm-hmm. that had that, you know, and they help her. They help, you know, together to expel this uh basically this demon out of her house yeah that's that that's that like, call forth the ancestor power right there boy, when you no. when you're in battle <laughs> again we we have one episode of a show that literally could be a movie <laughs> yes Word. Yeah. yeah 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 it could be a whole uh fantasy uh dragon ball z type thing because that was a finishing move ancestors come forth and and then it's over yo that shit and then again like that's that's that aspect of it too where i was just kind of like man they really going for the juggler where they're they're making sure you guys know that this is blackity black black Mm -hmm. but then they're also making sure that you know this is this is awesome horror shit like this is like you know it's not it's not the you know the saw you know um horror porn um you know torture porn or anything like that no. right? he's really really steeped into the hor- the genres of horror which is, comes from ghosts and supernatural and yeah. this and that like and yeah. as josh was saying too you know it did feel like almost disjointed after just we went through for two episodes and then dropping in um said white woman again on some like oh yeah 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 i gave her some money so she can get the house did she did she remove that ghost oh she did dope that's what i was wondering <laughs> <laughs> exactly and and it was weird because I think we all felt that uh, watching this episode because one of the things that I said to myself was like I, I it feels weird I hope they're not going 
to this sort of monster of the mm-hmm. week type of thing mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. stretch this out because that would be bad. And I, I know that HBO doesn't do that, doesn't deal in that type of storytelling. So again, it still felt weird when she showed up at the end. And I I have expected that that was going to be the case when Letty couldn't figure out how, why her mother gave her the money. And the sister who knew the mother better than, than Letty did said, well, she didn't have any money. It's like, okay, somebody, something else is behind this. This isn't, mm-hmm. Letty's mother, if, if that was the whole thing with her, I, it seriously feels like she wouldn't have had that kind of money to buy uh, a house like that. Speaking of uh, splashing tons of money on something and you don't know where it came from. That was that was your DC that was your that was your alley oop. Damn, damn. That was your that was your alley oop. Did I did I miss it? <laughs> no, no, no. That was for Cam. That was for Cam. That was, was that was he, he was that was a no look. He was talking. He was talking to. He's talking about DC fandom. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. That was a no look. Guy. That was a no look. Son. That was a segue. <laughs> the segue. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that was a no look. Yeah, I, you know, on the ball, uh, man. Watch me, watch me. <laughs> hey, man, I was enjoying. I was enjoying talking about racism, white people getting killed. Really know. <laughs> all right, allegedly, this is all fantasy. When I run for office, yes, yes, sometime yes. in the next ten years, I don't hate white people. I just enjoy when they get to go through the ringer. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the other aspect of it, you know, we're on to keep this on a on a on a geeky level. You know, we got it on Lovecraft. But yeah, DC fandom popped off this past month and in light of you know covid and all the things that's going down you know we're not getting comic cons anymore right now and usually comic cons are you know have kind of morphed into these like almost like digital upfronts now if you don't know what upfront is upfront is usually when uh tv networks would have a particular event and kind of say the show their slate of shows that were coming up you know in the next season and kind of get people hype about it get some sponsorship and so um, DC fandom basically was kind of like them putting on their own D23, which is a Disney event where they would do that same type of thing. And um, it was actually pretty dope. Like Amazingly. Yeah. Yeah. Like in terms of production value and, you know, how they, you know, I watched maybe about an hour of it and um, they had, you know, different panels and they had Zoom calls and they had a very interesting mix of multicultural hosts, uh, multicultural, multigender hosts. International, and, um, yes, very yeah, much. international. Um, and, you know, they you know they dropped all the the the, the good juicy nuggets of like you know the Batman trailer, and they dropped in the Suicide Squad stuff. Um, one of my friends really hated it from top to bottom, wow. purely because it was why he. The reason why is, you know, which you know valid concern is you know these things have now you know these things have now turned into TV, video game, and movie uh, event. Mm-hmm with little regard to the comics that started that mm. and i think uh, you know they yeah, they, yeah, yeah. they focus and it, which is 100 true they, yeah, they focus heavily yeah. on all media stuff like i would say the only comic related stuff was there was maybe like you know the milestone um relaunch which we'll talk about later but later on but um one artist uh pretty well-known artist he had a good comment he was like yeah you know it really sucked when you know, there you have the director of Wonder Woman talking to Venus Williams, who's doing some stuff with them as well, and they're talking about you know the character of Wonder Woman and how great she is and the, all that kind of stuff, and then they're referencing media as opposed to the comics and not yeah. not even thinking about you know who created the who created it, why, and those aspects right. of it, and tying yeah. that in. And, I think the only think, comic mention they made was like for Batman, which is like you know whatever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, one hundred percent. And I think um, you know. 
they did a good job of checking all the boxes to make sure they, you know, got all the things that the casual fans are super into, you know? Yeah. And um, the one thing that me and Josh both watched that we both were like laughing our asses off was uh, they did a um, a small uh, interstitial of uh, Batman Beyond. Oh, yeah. So they, had yeah, Will yeah. Fri- they had Will Friedel and then they had uh, Kevin Conroy as old, old uh, Bruce and Terry McGinnis watching a 60s, uh, uh, you know, Adam West Batman uh, <laughs> episode. And they're just like, like they're just riffing off the whole thing. In. It's actually really, really hilarious. That's great. That's funny. <laughs> but, but that added that level of fun to it. I think. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think um, in general, though, nah, nah. DC fandom was pretty dope, man. Like the Flash panel was cool, yep. and Ezra, Ezra, Ezra Miller was really hilarious. Mm-hmm. They, you know, they really showcased. Um, the one thing I said DC did really good was they did they showcased the diversity of what their creators are creating. So mm-hmm. you saw a lot of mm. women, you saw a lot of different ethnicities, you had, you know, mm. and these are people that were in, you know, they're the writers, directors, producers, that mm. kind of stuff. So like DC definitely checked their boxes off to make sure they realize, try to be as inclusive as possible on a corporate level. Yeah. And then also giving you those little touches of like all the the trailers to make to make make you excited for all the stuff that's coming up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They did it, and they, you know, uh, the comic book thing aside, I mean, the trailers that they dropped were pretty, with the exception of the Snyder Cut, which I'm still blown away that anybody gives two shits about. But that aside, (laughs) that that aside. Hey, 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 you know, you know, Sucker Punch, if you you turn the volume off and just let it run in the background, it's pretty cool. Well, I mean, (laughs) uh, well, anyway. (laughs) Good, good. We'll do two two minutes of Snyder slander. <laughs> Starting <laughs> now. So you know, honestly, I, I call him I call him Snydick now because <laughs> I feel like every time he opens his mouth, he 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 has this need to to one up himself on the dickish thing he can say about Anything other than anything DC that he is hasn't touched. Well, at least no anything regarding the, the first release of the the you know the Whedon cut, if you will, of mm-hmm. of uh, of Justice League. But he's he. I mean, I feel like at first where there was sympathy for his plight and what he actually went through, and there mm-hmm. still is. Um, this whole th- push to get that fucking cut released it's just ridiculous it's going back to what we're talking about with white privilege it's like this this motherfucker is getting paid for his failure he's he's, he's getting praised for failing if we're, if wait 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 are you trying to say, are you trying to say uh he is mediocre and he's getting celebrated for it He's less than mediocre, and he's getting and he's getting a do over. He's getting a do over for something that was bad. Like filmmakers don't get do overs. Once you, uh, I, I forget. Um, I think it was Lucas's. Uh, Lucas's. Um, what am I call it? His. Um, Lucas's one of Lucas's executive producers was like, you know, um, any uh, any film. The films are not released; they escape. <laughs> and I think that's very real. Like I can, I can identify yeah. with that. Like, and 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 to have a film that's out there, like once it's out, there are no do overs. Was there no do over? To explain that. So for Zack Snyder to suddenly be able to get this do over because quote unquote the fans want it, like you know, it's a segment of fandom. But 
I really can't I can't conceive that someone actually thought that his his version of the movie was going to be this much better that he could get a, that he should get a do over so that we can see his vision and I am willing to put money down that it will be worse than what than what we didn't push was able to crank. Oh, man, I just yo it but you're right. It goes back to the height of mediocrity. You know, like you know, you could be, you could be a really dope black director and not even get two percent of the freaking chance that Snyder got. But you can be a <laughs> exactly guy and fail up and fail <laughs> Yo, upward hard. Fail up, like I just can't. I'm trying to think. I've honestly, I've only seen maybe two, three films of his. Like I watched Sucker Punch on Netflix. I watched. Uh, I didn't watch Watchmen because I just couldn't do it. I, I just, nah, <laughs> oh, not gonna do it. I couldn't do it, man. I can't, like, you know, I, I've realized this point when it comes to movies now and, and books that are based off of books or whatever. Like, if I really, really enjoy the source material, I just actually opt not to watch it. Or, or in, I was like, you know what? I really enjoy this book and I like the way it is as a book. But let me just not enjoy whatever the adaptation is. That's wise. And it, it, I've, I've been trying to hold to it because I think it was I started this around oh when the Departed came out. And the Departed I heard is really good. Never, I haven't watched it, but like it's based off of Infernal Affairs, it's a Chinese movie, right? And um, that that movie is amazing. Like literally one of the best Chinese movies I've ever seen. It was super interesting, and I was like, this is really dope. And then I, when I heard the Departed, I'm like, well, you know what? The Departed will probably be good, but like I like the source material so much. So let me just let it be, and I'm okay with not watching it. And uh, Watchmen. That's how I looked at that, and even with Snyder as well, I'm like, well, I don't really like you as a director, so I don't really, really trust that you might be able to deliver. So I'm just gonna yeah. be no. <laughs> Man, and so, I, I will never forget. It was me, Cam, my cousin, and homie Omar. Shout out to Omar uh, and his wife, and we went to go see. Uh, we went to go see Batman versus Superman. We left. And needed to go get drinks afterwards. <laughs> like mm-hmm. no joke, we've been to watch the way at this point, having gone to the movies countless times with everybody that was there. I can't even count. Yep. I can't even count how many times we were like, "Yo, I need to. I need. I need a moment. I need. I need yeah. to be able to to to. to I, I need to. I need. To, I need to wash this away. I need it to be gone. <laughs> yeah, and it's I need that, to it's that with future. Suffered with me. It was oh. that bad. And yeah, I just thought, like, yeah. like his films have just gotten worse over time. Three hundred yeah. was amazing, and everything that's come after it has just been a steep tumble downhill. Well, and and uh. and here's here's my thought on on Snyder because I've seen probably more movies of from him than I would care to uh, admit. <laughs> his first his first film was a remake of Dawn of the Dead. Uh, called Dawn of the Dead, but uh, remake remade from George R. Romero's uh, classic zombie sequel. Mm-hmm. Um, very good movie. He did a good job with that. I, I got to give him credit. If you ever, I mean, you guys don't like that horror that much, but if you if you ever want to see an interesting zombie movie uh, from like the early two thousands, I've recently had as a sidebar this obsession with going back and watching movies from. 2000 to 2008 and and it's interesting <laughs> i don't mm-hmm. know what it where, where I, i'm landing on it but it's an interesting walk down a recent memory lane but um 300 i think he was able to pull off because it was all 
visual. If you look at that book, it's more about the visuals than it is about what's happening in a narrative. The narrative is fairly one dimensional. It's it's just yeah. it's just that it is what it is. Um, but the the epicness of the visuals is what he's good at in terms of uh, that Hollywood style Americanized uh, just eye candy. Uh, and then you go on to Watchmen and he tries to do the same thing. And this is where he hits a brick wall because now <laughs> he has a source material that it blows his mind because he doesn't understand it. And it's not, it's not the superhero hijinks that he was hoping for. So in other words, Dr. Manhattan is not fucking Superman. He's not comparable to Superman. Yes, he is a... You can, I guess you could say a satire, a satirization of Superman. He has parallels, but there's much, much, much deeper. It's he didn't get the fine, the the the, the layers, the nuances, and so then when you fast forward to someone like Lindelof, and it's like, boom, that's what that's what Zack Snyder did not understand. He took all of these superficial aspects of Watchmen and put it on screen and just gutted all of what made Watchmen so special as a, as a story. And see, that's the, you know, it, it basically makes him, it makes him the David Goyer freaking directing. Exactly. Um, <laughs> and he did the same with Batman versus Superman. Cause that's based on the dark Knight returns. Gutted it. Took yeah. the visual. Yeah. Gutted it's it. So crazy, man. So, so anyway, Snyder slander over. Mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> got it out of our system. <laughs> we're better. Um, there were some bright spots. But, uh, there were some bright spots. The fandom. I mean, you know, the Wonder Woman yeah. before the final trailer. That, that was, was that looks amazing. Looks great. Um. Yeah, and then also they had uh the um, the, the Suicide Squad, squad yep. um Zoom you know little game thing was hilarious. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. More because. You know, I'm a, I, my time at Marvel, I was there for about two years, and um, everyone always told me, like, James Gunn is their f- favorite person mm-hmm. just to do anything with. Mm-hmm. And, like, to the point where, like, they'll literally do if, – if they could pitch something to him, and he's more – he usually will – is, like, 90% down to almost do anything just because he's just a zany dude. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it looked at they the, – the Suicide Squad kind of panel thing, they let him kind of do that. And he's Because he's a kooky dude in, in general. Yeah. And they let just let him be that, and I thought that was dope, and I'm glad that – all the Suicide Squad actors kind of participated in and just had fun with it and just yeah. enjoyed like that aspect of it. And, and then when they showed the kind of behind the scenes, yeah. you can kind of see the joy and on their fun. faces and the laughter. They're having a lot of fun. And like mm-hmm. I think that's super important just in general, where it's just kind of like, yo, James yeah. Gunn is a fun director. He enjoys what he does. He has a good passion for it. Yeah. And then you can see it on the set when how it comes out. So that's yeah. where I'm like, oh, no, yeah, you, let, you let him rock, you know? Yeah. And he's ultimately great at what he does. And, and because mm-hmm. of that, I didn't need a. I didn't even need a, a real trailer. And just looking at that footage, I was very. Ex- I'm very excited for yeah. Suicide Squad. Like I, I, if if he can, if someone mentioned, uh, I was reading some person wrote uh, that. Oh, they're gonna have a problem with Bloodsport because not many people know him. I'm like, well, this is James Gunn. Not many people knew make, who the fuck Star Lord was yeah, exactly. uh, as of four years ago. All the Guardians of the Galaxy, for that matter. So if he could take them and make them now household names, people that 
Disney can make billions of dollars off of through merchandise and all that stuff, I don't think he's gonna have a problem with blood sport. No. <laughs> I, I remember I remember when I saw when I saw um Guardians of the Galaxy, the thing that came to mind after as the closing credits ran was Marvel can do anything now. Like there's nothing yeah. they cannot do. And really yeah. he's responsible for that. Like he really it's it's James Gunn can do anything. Like he there's yeah. no limit to what he's able to do. He broke them out of a, I think, a certain idiosyncrasy that they were, uh, idiosyncratic visual style that they were kind of going with. I mean, he didn't, it didn't completely break away. And again, they, they their movies are very, still very turnkey, but at the same time, with what he did was somewhat different than what the rest of the pack was doing at the time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, it's true. And I think that he, I was laughing because I remember when, Guardians of the Galaxy got announced, and I was like, "What?" Like, I was because I've actually read Guardians of the Galaxy from the '80s. Like, mm-hmm. I know the original cast. Mm-hmm. I was excited when um, uh, Lanning and Abnett um, rebooted them in, in 08. I was reading that, so like, mm-hmm. I've been a, a Guardians fan since back then. Yeah. And the, the old Guardians, that shit is not good. It's silly. It's not really that fun. Yeah. And then when they relaunched it with Star-Lord, who was literally a throwaway character, Rocket Raccoon was another throwaway character that had been around in the 70s. Um, they they reimagined Drax, who was also... A, like They just took a bunch of throwaway characters, smashed them together, mm-hmm. and actually made them like, relevant. And I was mm-hmm. like, this is dope. So then when I heard they're going to go to the big screen, I'm like, wow, this is Marvel really being like, yo, we can pick any character and make yeah. you guys like yeah, absolutely, <laughs> and they keep, they kept proving that um, time and time again. You know, with more more, not just you know. I think they hit a wall with Captain Marvel. That's a whole another story. I'm not going to get started on that. Stay on topic. Cam loves Captain Marvel. You should definitely talk to him about that. Sometime. Stay on topic. Stay on. Topic. Yeah, he's pivoting away. I will. Yep, I, I don't talk about uh, things that I had a whole episode of a podcast on. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you what, I'm, let me tell you what grinds my gears. Uh, but staying on topic, um, I would say that uh, for me, I'm really excited more than anything for that that DC is finally embracing their freaking multiverse mm-hmm. and and not running away from it. I. I, we've had these conversations and now I'm saying it on a podcast. I've said this from the beginning that DC made a mistake in trying to do a singular uh, cinematic universe in the same way as Marvel, a linear one, just like Marvel. I agree. Their stories are so much better because of their multiverse, because we know that there is a whole nother version of Superman that exists in a different continuity that is totally separate from prime super Superman. And I, and I think that also too, by with that knowledge, you're less forgiving of different characters actions. Mm-hmm. And so like, again, you know, we can have the, you know, um, you know, boy scout, Superman, Clark Kent, and then all of a sudden, you know, go to earth two. And now it's a, it's a black dude and he's way more diesel. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, and, and you're okay with it. You're kind of like, oh, yeah, 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 that makes sense. Or, yeah. you know, one of the things that DC does really well in their comics is they do multiple versions, different, you know, like you said, multiverses um, and stories 
have you know post-apocalyptic stuff or this or that like recently they did uh batman the last night and that was set in the future where uh lex luther had killed superman and the whole world had gone to shit and batman's been dead and they they've cloned him to bring him like it was just such a crazy fantastical story but because i already know that dc has a, a multitude of different batmans i was already kind of like oh okay right, you want that, to yeah right where is... I, I think oh, sorry go ahead uh, you know, which is, which is a good thing because then I'm open to the, the, the randomness of the DC you know, universe. Yeah. And then I appreciate the main one because I know that these are these classic characters and have classic tropes and everything else that I'm okay with. So then when you want to explore different stuff, then you can kind of go to these multiverses and, and, still, and still feel like you're, you're understanding what's going on. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that that's where they need to go, and that that allows their their filmmakers more freedom to work. And, you know, where now no one has to feel this need to tie everything in uh, neatly, or you know, mm-hmm. if, if Wonder Woman can exist in her own continuity, and hell, maybe there's another Wonder Woman that exists in a whole another continuity, and the joke and Joker, Joaquin Phoenix's wacky wackadoo character, can exist in his own sort of separate continuity, um, and they all still be under the same umbrella. I mean, it's it mm-hmm. just it just makes sense, and it gives them so many so much more room to to work with. I mean, who who's not excited about Keaton Batman coming back? And hopefully, yeah. that, that'll open the door for what we really want, which is him to be Bruce Wayne in Batman be, Beyond. Yeah, no, one hundred percent. And I think that's that part where you know, again, I am not a Batman fan. Yeah, but. I can understand and I like the different stories that are told with them. And then I understand the the basic tenet of Batman. So like you said, if, you know, we're in a verse where, you know, Batman is in a different way because of certain things that happened, I'm I'm all, I'm all on board. Cause I'm like, okay, let's cool. Let's Mm -hmm. see, let's see what we, let's see what we can do now. Yeah. And I think you where I think my, my frustration with say in in the Marvel comics is I'm just bored of of Peter Parker because he's a kind of a one trick pony. And anytime writers try to take him out of his his core values people there's, there's a fierce black backlash yeah and sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't but like i like that at least the writer was like yo man peter parker been a fucking photographer with a hot ass girlfriend that pays all the bills for a long time <laughs> yeah yeah like, can, can, it just, can a dude grow yeah can a dude grow <laughs> yeah i mean and and that's i think i think what i'm seeing with i mean comic books in general uh i think DC, one of the things I loved about what DC did with their, uh, when they launched DC Universe is they were offering the comic books with that subscription. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and those were always front and center. And to remind uh, us people that, you know, yeah, these stories that we're seeing, visual stories and animated stories are great. But here are where these stories come from. And we got to also still appreciate those stories as well. Uh, so many people are saying, oh, why don't they just get rid of DC Universe and just move it? To-? It's like, no, because it's not just about the the TV and the film and stuff. It's about the, the comic book library that's rich on that on that uh, streaming service as well. And and. I give DC credit for still trying to keep the comics uh, in focus as much as they can. But I think I, you know, to your friend's point with the fandom is just, they, you know, they kind of reverted to that same thing, the ordeal where it's, it's more about uh, 
what's happening in their televisual world or their TV film world than it is about their overall world. Yeah, no, exactly. And I think it's, um, it's interesting to see how they're kind of going with that because I think, you know, uh, like I've just finished, um, star girl and, and, and that was actually really entertaining. Like Mm -hmm. it was like, it had, yeah, it had the classic, uh, the classic CW silly, you know, airiness that CW shows have where it's, you know, kind of fun and little, you know, you know, you know, Hey, OG golly kind of stuff. But then because it was, because it was on the DC uh, platform, it had a little bit of that realness that Titans had, Mm -hmm, a little bit of that darkness. So there was, there was some death in it. There was Mm -hmm. definitely some murder. There was like, you know, some interesting uh, aspects. So I I thought it was really dope and they balanced. They gave it, they gave it really solid stakes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And Mm -hmm. I think that's the thing, like the CW shows, you never really feel like the, the characters ever in trouble or have any like, you know, you know, um, and that's that's you know to their detriment. And then you also have you know uh, Flash hashtag Barry's fault, where everything is. His fault. So, you know, it's yeah. so funny because it's true. Everything yep. literally is his fault. I, I think I yep. said that Barry is the primary antagonist of his own show. Like he's like yep. Walt, but yep. in in a bad way. Like Walt is the primary antagonist of Breaking Bad, but in a good yep. way. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Cam has been That's- Cam has been reeling against uh, Barry for a very for for quite a few years yep. now. It's it's yep. hilarious. Hundred percent. My one of my one of my uh, uh, coworkers at Marvel. Uh, shout out to Ben Morris, really smart dude, one of the nerdiest comic book uh, historians that I know. We battle about Flash and how I'm like, it is always Barry's fault. I'm like, <laughs> dude, every episode is Barry's fault. Like, that's the theme of the whole show, all the seasons. Yeah. Tell me one show where it's not his fault. It's always something that he did yeah. that comes up to bite him in the ass, yeah. and the team has to rally together to save everyone because Barry did something. Well, <laughs> I, okay, the only season that that doesn't happen is the first season. The well, first yeah. season is the only season where it's not his fault. Every subsequent yeah. season after that, it's because he did something that he did not have to do. Yep. And then, and honestly, to that credit, Bear, Flash season one, Really, really good. Really, yeah, I think the first three really seasons good. of Flash are are some of the best superhero television you could ever ask for. And then first season and a half. Down the season. <laughs> they, I, I like the first three seasons. The, the where they wound up with Zoom was horrible. Like it was just yeah, a true. complete. Okay, yeah, you're right. But, that's true. But that's a good point. Everything from Zoom, everything before the reveal of Zoom on back. Yeah. Everything, yeah. everything was money. First okay. and second, and, and half of the third one. The first, the best two plus, and a half seasons of television you could ask for. I, I plus with uh, with with uh, Tony Todd is uh, Zoom too. Oh my god! Yeah. Yeah. You know, like you know, there's certain there's certain actors where like when it comes to voiceover stuff, I just need them to be in stuff. Just yeah. so you feel the chills. Absolutely. I'm like, when, mm-hmm. when Zoom like when Zoom came in, I was like, oh shit! Like, yeah, I don't know. Barry, I don't think you're going to get past this one, dude. Yeah, it <laughs> felt that way. And I think one of the things that was so disappointing about, I mean, the, the way Zoom came in and handled Barry, and then he <laughs> broke his back, and then lifts him up and is like, you know, this is your hero, and he, he's nothing. And, you know, and I, was, I was so excited. Yeah. And then the, the next episode, they heal Barry, and that's when I was like, "Yeah, I, I can't deal with this. There's no stakes, mm-hmm. none stakes, none whatsoever. One, none what's And I think that aspect of it is something that you know. I think uh, like Game of Thrones kind of 
kind of put that in people's heads on a, yeah. on a more of an on a on a popular level where yeah. like there's actual real consequences to what you do like yeah. you know game of thrones you save a ch- you save a kitten and you get your arm chopped off that's what matters man that is one, yeah, exactly. that is one way yeah. to describe it yeah. you know and so but and so then when you have you know you know like say like you said for say for flash like you have a whole show where literally he does things and it, it it's always his fault that you know that it happens and then that just lessens the consequences of the show and then like this past and again i'll hate watch it because i'll go and i'll do my thing which is what i'll do is especially on netflix shows that have previously on i'll watch the previously on only the whole season (laughs) i don't even understand how you do that so so hear me out hear me out so what you do is you watch the very first episode in its entirety and then you watch previously on for the rest of it, and then you watch the last maybe once the season finale or maybe the one before that. However, you amend it if something on previously on was super interesting. So then, and then you it's double like, back oh, and watch that, that episode, and then you double back and watch it. Yeah. And then instead of watching twenty four episodes, you're probably watching maybe five, maybe yeah. six, yeah. but you still get this full narrative of the story. That's great. You know why I've been doing that. I told Josh I was doing that. He couldn't. Un- he didn't understand what I was talking about. But you just articulated it very well. I've been doing that specifically with those CW shows. I did that with Supergirl this last season, um, and that's how I got ready for Crisis. Honestly, because I, I refused to watch any of those shows. Now I'm still have to work my way to do. They they left such a sour taste in my mouth that I. I haven't even tried Black Lightning, but I, all, everybody and, I know tells me it's great, and so therefore, you know what? I I'm not gonna say great. Okay, it's, what yeah, I will good. say yeah, yeah. is Black Lightning is better than Luke Cage, and mm. the way I say that, we 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 all know that Luke Cage written not it's not written well. No, but the parts that Luke Cage uh, did really well was their casting yeah. was their, uh, their music choices, yeah. their, you know, their stylistic of how they p- portrayed everything and all that. So those aspects of it. Yeah. So to me, the one thing I liked about black lightning and I, and I, one of my other friends, same thing, he was kind of like, kind of being on it. He's like, yo man, you should check it out. It, you know, the first six issues, I was kind of like, Ugh. I mean, uh, six episodes. I was like, man, really black, black, black. And you know, they had the, the song with Black Lightning in the name of the song. I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and, then, like, nope. and then there's like quotes from freaking uh, Ralph Ellison and freaking Michael, uh, Frederick Douglass. Yeah, I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was just like, uh, it was but, all the checkpoints, all, all of yeah. that. Yeah. But if you get past that, I think it actually does a really good job of a showing a uh, complex black family in a way that's humanizing, as opposed to you know stereotypical. Um, I like that they um, they the villain in the show is not just a very one trick pony type of thing. He's intelligent. He has an interesting story. He has a reason for the things that he's doing. Jill Scott is amazing. Yeah, that I will admit. Like that's what uh, I hear. Means, like yeah, I would Scott say, is one of the I'm, best things that happened to that sh- to ever happen to that show. I will venture to say she's better than Alfreda Woodard in Luke Cage. Oh yeah, and, yeah, 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 and the reason. And the reason being is because she, she's such a scene stiller mm-hmm. that when she gets there, you're automatically like, oh, whoa, hello. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and you're in it, you know. And so I think Black Lightning, it, it takes a bit to get going, 
but I don't feel like I wasted time watching an episode. Like, you know, they they touch all the you know the pieces of black culture and that kind of stuff, and they do definitely kind of keep it as blackity black black as they can. Um, but they still have it's still a CW show, so it still has that kind of air of corniness and all that kind of stuff. And there's, there's a lot of tropes that are already there, you know, whatever. But um, I like the their casting is really really well done, and um, you know it fits nicely within the CW ecosystem, and they. It, it it it's gonna do. It's better that they brought them into the fold and like how they did their um the final crisis and kind of put all the shows into one place. I thought mm-hmm. that was actually pretty smart. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's actually gonna help Black Lightning, I think, in the long run. Mm-hmm. And so um yeah, so I yeah, it's it's worth watching. But I don't, I wouldn't say you know bump something else that you you haven't watched before to get to it. But if yeah. you do watch it, I don't think it's a waste of time. And I thought it was actually you know it's pretty it's pretty cool. Speaking of Black Lightning, this is me throwing you another no look pass, but me calling it out now, Cam. So keep your hands up. <laughs> what about what did you think about um the Rock's uh, presentation for Black Adam? I thought that was the best non trailer. I like the the it was the best nothing I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, actually, that's a you, that's a really good way to put it. Yeah, he didn't, he didn't <laughs> that's a perfect anything. way of putting it. Like he didn't give you anything. There was no trailer. You barely you you got background on the character, but you don't know what the movie is going to be about, how it dovetails into or out of Shazam, because those two have to meet at some point. Like you don't, you, he didn't give you anything. He was just like, "Yo, I'm the Rock. I'm going to be in a movie. It's going to be called Shazam. This is what the character is about. This is how it went in the comic books, and it's coming soon. Be there." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, no, yep, dude, I will be the, there. I will be there. The Rock yeah. says, The Rock says, the, the only thing he didn't do was perform it as The Rock. If he had a, if he had a hit the, if you smell a little what The Rock is cooking at the end, I would just faint it and wouldn't have woke up again until <laughs> that movie was released. <laughs> the, the thing that woke me up would be hearing that uh, Black <laughs> Adam is now released. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fro with a ball spot coming down the middle of it, all of it will oh, be, I, be my, my future. I saw that presentation. I was like, at the end, I was like, nothing. And yet I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, 100%. Different. And I laughed because uh, the um, it was one of those things where it was kind of like, you know, again, people's affinity for Dwayne, John- Dwayne and the Rock Johnson is very great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so... The and you know on top of that the fact that they partnered with Boss Logic and like his folks that he rocks yes, with yes, yeah, that that Logic that sure. just made it yeah that just made it an extra level of meta that just made it even cooler oh yeah and so and so yeah you're right it was probably one of the best nothings I've ever seen and and, and uh, nah they did a good job dude that they did they did a really good job I yeah. think the other aspect of uh, DC fandom that was really dope is they finally re- uh, gave the official. Um, notice of the relaunch of Milestone Comics. Yes, yes. And I thought that was really, really dope because if you haven't, if you don't know what Milestone Comics was in the '90s, um, a bunch of really amazing black creators started their own pop, uh, uh, comic book company uh, with the backing of DC Comics to um, get basically to start uh, their own universe of comics and their own universe of you know stories that they can do you know completely from the black narrative. Yeah. And I think that it was super dope because at that time, one, the only type only type of thing like that that ever happened was image. Yes. And so and so now you have basically image happening 
but with just black creators. And so they, you know, created their own world. They had they launched with four four um different comic books. It was very steeped in black culture and all that kind of stuff. And I think it really did a really good job uh at that time being a thing like, oh shit, these are black people starting their own black black comic book company mm-hmm. with major um with major backing from a um a major player. So uh them relaunching it now in 2020 or 2021 actually made it really, really dope. And so um, that's the part that I thought was really, really fresh. Yeah. And then, no, I agree. I, I, I think uh, when I saw that news, I was, you know, just really excited because, um, and, and not, don't mean to get ahead of anything here, but um, uh, being a writer, a black writer and a comic book fan, Dwayne McDuffie was one of those names that just, you know, he, he was just, he was that dude, you know, he was the person that, sure. yeah, yeah. Rest in peace for, you know, he was that person that I think if you were a young writer and you were black, you were looking at milestone. If you're interested in comics, you were looking at milestone and Dwayne McDuffie and what he was doing as the sort of, uh, template for where you want to go and so it's it was definitely a surprise to me because i hadn't been following it i had heard rumblings but the fact that they did that they announced it and it's a go i'm I'm so excited for it yeah it's gonna be crazy man i think um you know it actually got announced uh probably a year and a half ago and there's some, you know, redesigns uh, kind of showcase. And then what ended up happening is it got stuck in kind of legal hell for a little bit. And with that legal hell, they kind of had to iron out some stuff. And I think, you know, you know that's stuff with the Dwayne McDuffie's estate yeah. and the other artists, creators. But I'm glad that they all worked that shit out. <laughs> yeah, they were all cheery on the, like, on the on, on yeah, the yeah, yeah, exactly. The fandom exactly. segment. They were all. They, yep. I've never seen all of those guys cheery at the same time. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and, and it's and that, perfect time too. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. And so that was a smart move by DC to make sure that that was happening. And it, and also, I'm really excited to see what they um what they come up with to do because you know I was talking to one of my um other friends and they're younger, so like to them, you know they they grew up on the Static Shock uh cartoon. Yeah. Same so here. they only. Yeah, so like I like that was after I was already a little bit older than that, and I didn't really like check for it. Like I knew of it, but I didn't really watch it that much. Yeah. I didn't really have anything. But I, you know, I I know Static from just the comics and all that kind of stuff. So it's interesting to see those two generations. So you have the older generation, like that was uh, on Milestone and all that kind of stuff, and then you have the young, a little bit younger generation that was on Static Shock because that was their cartoon. Was yeah, like Static Shock, you know, Proud Family, like those type of things. Yeah. So it's really cool to see that, and I think. If they can kind of pull it off and DC lets them rock, at least gives them a solid time to get that footing, I think Milestone could be some, some interesting things happening with it. Yeah. I mean, it was interesting the first go around. I, and I think just, mm-hmm. you know, if it was marketed differently and I think it was a different time period, um, yeah. I think it would have done more than it did. And I think they're poised. The timing is perfect. And I think they're poised. They're poised to do, to do amazing things again if they do it even halfway right. Yeah. I th- yeah. I think now more than ever we're in a period where more and more black sci-fi fantasy uh writers are emerging as this is, you know, with new and fresh stories and so there's going to I I can honestly see 
them having an abundance of of material that they where they're just gonna they're gonna they're really going to uh if they do it right i think they're gonna really give um take some attention away from the more the the more popular marvel and dc characters because those stories are becoming more stale and you know we're seeing these these rehashing of of old narratives of new character of character there doesn't seem like it's a abundance of freshness I, i'm not totally reading everything so i'm not going to say that with all certainty but anything that's i think given that milestone will have its own side of freshness even though that it's there will be a, a small segment of people familiar with it it's gonna do it's gonna be uh, mean a lot for uh for milestone and probably for dc at large as well oh yeah yeah no and i think you know and you know dc is a little light when it comes to the your uh, african-american like books and characters why do you think that? so <laughs> <laughs> what would make you see oh, their thing cameron so i i can see them i can see them doing a little bit better with this and this is kind of like their uh their, you know, uh, solve for that. Uh, you know, the the downside for you know DC fandom in general was prior to DC fandom, the Warner Brothers is a massive layoff. Like yeah, yeah, like right before, yeah. right before. And so this, a lot of their uh, collectibles and toys people, a lot of some of the comics people, like some some long time dope people that had been there for a minute to help them get to where they are, were got let go. Mm. And so it was really interesting to see from Going from that to flipping it to being like, oh, okay, now this is something else. Like, okay, wow, you guys, it was already kind of a negative thing. And then when DC Phantom hit, it was like, okay, this is a little bit better. But it still reminded me of that, going back to that comics and uh, that lack of comics uh, representation at DC Phantom just in general. That was kind of like, man, you guys, I I get it. You got to go with the casuals and that whole nine. No big deal. But, you know, there's, there's a level of, not respecting the the IP and where it came from to you know to further other things because I think that was my main beef when say Black Panther came out like you had all these black people that don't necessarily mess with comics like that yeah watching a comic book character yeah and then once they came out they didn't really have nowhere to go to like further that experience right. but then really comments good. about you know oh well, why can't we get more stories like Black Panther and it's like yep. uh shut up. <laughs> it's like you you don't know anything of what you're talking about and i think that's the problem with um the catch 22 of when these things become popularized by movie and are co-opted by pop culture in general is that um that uh, original thing becomes an afterthought because the movies and the tv are more easily palatable for right. the masses and so of course, uh, you know, this is why I try so hard often to remind people if it's something that has uh, it's an adapt adaptation of a, if it has a source material and I know of it. I try to say it because you have to appreciate that original work. It's not one thing to just appreciate a Game of Thrones. If you don't know where where this is being taken from, then it's you're you're not even fully appreciating the show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah you know yeah. Like if you if you don't understand the sort of uh the the narrative thread that uh or legacy lineage that some of these things have then you you really are doing a disservice to even the movie uh 
world of 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 these things um, mm-hmm. because then you can understand how an mcu can exist on its own outside of the comic world because it's created a world that is ancillary to its uh source material and not just a, a, a carbon copy of it yeah exactly and i think that's the part where like you know the people are starting to kind of see that where you know you're starting to see you know people really, really enjoying something and then being like, oh, I, I think I heard it was a comic book. And then like, you know, delving into those stories. I remember when I watched, um, what did I watch? I watched, oh, I watched uh, Luke Cage and the you know, the first two episodes, we got to see it um, as employees for Marvel. Yeah. And coming out of it, we were, I was having a conversation with Sanford Green and, um, and, uh, and David Walker, who were um, at the time writing and drawing uh, Iron Man, uh, Power, uh, Power Man and uh, Iron Fist. And it was really dope because we had this really good conversation about black creators and black comics. And they were kind of just saying, like, you know, now that Black Panther just came out, you know, Luke Cage is out. You know, I heard that Black like Lightning is coming in. So there's going to be a deluge of a lot of black um, type of characters. Any creator that has their own character and that kind of stuff. Now is the time to get your shit together. Mm-hmm. You know, get, you know, get it out, you know, have it well thought out because that because now people are open to actually listening to your stories where before yeah. they're kind of like. Eh, you know, whatever. We're looking for Batman clones or Superman clones or whatever. Yeah. But now you're finally starting to see, like, oh no, people really want to hear, you know, or at least very um experienced, you know, black creators and their stories. Yeah. And so I'm glad that like, you know, the that's the legacy of uh things like, you know, Luke Cage and you know, Black Panther and all that. And I think I see that that's what's been carrying on and you're starting to see a little bit more nuggets of different types of, you know, black properties starting to seep in through the, um, to the, to the casuals, I should say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that, that, I think that, that will ask, that will, that will add to the legacy of those type of properties and stuff like that. Yeah. And then, um, you know, making the legacy of black Panther, you know, even longer than it already was. Right. Yeah, exactly. And so, and then I think, you know, that also pays homage to, you know, our man Chadwick Boseman passed away recently, mm. and uh, that was uh, unexpected and interesting in a respect that, and my my dad had put it a, a really good back. I think it was like oh one when Aaliyah had passed away, and he was kind of like, yeah, you know, when someone that's a celebrity or someone that you identify with that's your that's around your age group passes away it makes you think of your own mortality mm-hmm, yeah. a lot more than you would normally do yeah and so you know chadwick was 39 i believe 40, and he was 43 he was diagnosed no, 40, he was 49 he was diagnosed when he was 39 when he, he was diagnosed 40, yeah. yes, yes 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 yeah so he was diagnosed at 39 and so all of us in that age group between 39 to about 44 we're all just like whoa yeah mm-hmm. and so um, but it also it also made everybody reflect on the type of work that he did, the, the type of legacy that he's leaving behind. Yeah. And I also and to also look at it in a very positive light. I thought that to me was actually super, super dope. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think uh your your dad hit it um right right on the nail on the head. It it's definitely for someone like that, and especially when you hear of his story, um what he what he endured while he after he got the diagnosis and you know he got it at a point where it was all but you know at that point where he was he had to do everything he had he could just to save his life basically um and still lost the fight but he 
he he worked during that whole time and he gave us still Avengers Infinity War and uh Endgame and of course you know he only had a few scenes in those movies but at the same time though anyone who's ever worked in production on any level knows what it take what you have to give to even put out something remotely of remote quality <laughs> you know mm-hmm. so for him to do it on that level while still going through chemotherapy and having to have various surgeries i mean the the, the man uh instantly became a myth in his death yeah 100 percent, 100 percent. because i think and it also made people kind of uh check their own selves because you know we all and you know we do live in a, a an era of social media so you know when he was starting to have appearances with he was looking very gaunt and uh lost a lot of weight you know there was a lot of jokes there's a lot of memes and again people not knowing the story behind it and then now you know finding out you know the reason behind it a lot of people feeling real bad yeah <laughs> i remember when when that was happening which wasn't so long ago because he was doing nope. the zoom and it was at the maybe height of the uh the start of the stay at home yeah, across the pandemic, the, nation, yeah. the pandemic and i remember seeing that and the first thing that thought popped in my mind was oh my he looks not well not that he was doing something wrong or making fun of his eye because again having dealt with recently someone who went through hospice and cancer and things like that and what that does to a person physically that was the first thing that popped in my mind and i couldn't believe that people were, were making fun of him uh um and i know those people will probably regret that and 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 all that uh but it like you said it does it should have be it should be a lesson to a lot of people to not jump to this whole you know oh they're a celebrity so they're supposed to look glamorous and fit and healthy all the time Mm -hmm. and and, you know when they don't we should make fun of them because they don't it's like no maybe if they don't and you truly are a fan you should be concerned that they might not be healthy as was the case with chadwick Mm -hmm. yeah definitely yeah uh, uh, i mean you know for me it, it it I mean, it landed like a brick on my chest. I really just, I, I, and I mean, that's true for everyone. Like no one, no one outside of his inner circle uh, saw it coming. And, you know, it's just, uh, it, it's, I, I yeah, it, it's hard to put into words, like, you know, beyond things that I've already said in conversations with, already, with other people. But I mean, you know, I think we engage in a certain amount of hero worship. And it just is one of those things where like, you realize, you realize, um, you realize that, 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 that black heroes who, you know, I, I don't want to say don't have a blemish cause I'm sure he wasn't perfect, but the Obamas of the world where like, you know, we don't know of anything that he's done over that was overtly just like, you know, career ending and, 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 and hero killing, you know, for himself, you know? And I think, Chadwick wound up being one of those people, and then on a couple on top of that, um, couple alongside that, I mean, uh, the fact that he had this meteoric rise, like he just kept plugging away, doing certain types of roles, and he was very uh specific about the roles that he played. I think uh, uh, Dwayne, shout out to Dwayne Merchant uh from from Table of Truth podcast, 
as he mentioned that when we potted and, you know, he said, you know, uh, he was very particular and very specific about the roles that he took and didn't just play any old, you know, random guy, number five, you know, thug number five or, or thief number 12 in, you know, random movies to get by. Like he was very specific and to his credit and to our benefit, um, you know, it is, it fits into the tapestry of things that, that, that you can point to as a black person and say, that's a role model and look at what he did and look at how he represented us on screen and sort of defied stereotypes and defied, uh, you know, defied all the things that people constantly think and hear that you hear and, and that people think, and, you know, you've heard people say, uh, not only about black people, but about blacks in film. And, uh, yeah. you know, the fact that, you know, the, the old myth of we don't know how to market that film and black people don't really come out to support films like this. Yeah. And, you know, all these other things that we heard over time that we knew weren't true, but, yeah. you know, it's kind of like, dude, you never like you can you can't say those things are facts because you've never done it. You've never put a black person in a non-comedic or non-goofball or non-coon role or 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 anything along those lines. So you can't say you don't know how to market that film because you've never done it. And now it's been done. Yeah. And now it's yeah. been, and now, yeah. not only has it been done, but it's been done and 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 made a billion dollars in record time. Yeah, and and it's it's now it's it's so much not true that it went from being urban legend to just flat out laughably ridiculous. Yeah, like ridiculous. Like not, now now it's not even it's it's so not true for everything that you see uh in television rating spike when you have uh people of color uh, mm-hmm. involved when in and in movies uh it you can make movies inter you can make money internationally. I think uh just wanting to not segue or anything but just mention um that there is already talk about what now for Black Panther 2. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um <clears throat> one of the things that's disappointed me with Marvel and and I hate that it's not talked about as much is that they the MCU specifically uh not Marvel comics but the MCU is that their diversity or their push for diversity has always has been up until this point very one dimensional. And um I say that to say knowing that maybe instead of having a conversation about Black Panther 2, we could talk about how do we bring in characters like um, <clears throat> Adam uh, Brichard, uh, uh, Adam, uh, the Blue Marvel, <laughs> you know, a whole yes, different sir. type of character um, whose writer, Kevin Grivo is is very much alive and kicking and, you know, yeah, and accomplished. An accomplished and and a very phenomenal writer. I mean, mm-hmm. he's mm-hmm. just amazing. Um, and tell the people who he is, just so they you know, so they have some form. So, of so Kevin Grivo, for those of you who may not know him, he is mainly famous for having wrote Underworld for the two thousand three uh, film starring Kate Beckinsale. Um, about vampires versus uh lycanthropes werewolves um and that story uh spawned off into many sequels and 
Um, I think there's like some comic book stuff uh, for it as well. But uh, Kevin Grivo then went on to write many comics, and one of the the his most famous one is um, uh, Adam the Blue Marvel, which is about a black superhero in the Marvel universe. Um, who uh, the his it's very it's a very interesting story. The reason you don't know about him. Uh, and the reason the Avengers and all of the white superheroes don't know about him is because at some point in his story, he was asked to not be a superhero in America because that would threaten the fabric of uh, American society. Basically, white people would get in a frenzy and go crazy, <laughs> knowing, that there, knowing that there was a super nigga uh, in their backyard. <clears throat> so, um, so, so, President of all people, President Kennedy kindly asked him to retire early after he, uh, you know, in the middle of his battle with his, his nemesis, uh, 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 Blue Adam, his mask is taken off. Up until that point, uh, all the people cheered him, the white folks cheered him, everybody loved him. But once that mask came out and they saw that all oh, this guy that's been flying around and moving buildings with his hands is is black, Oh my God! Oh no, no, no! <laughs> <laughs> and so it, and that's his story. But it, going back to my point about bringing him in and my charge to Marvel to the MCU is that you have these brilliant stories that are not only diverse in appearance but they are diverse in narrative, and you're not bringing them in for reasons I can't understand. You want to focus on something. That I mean, again, Black Panther is special to all of us, but it's not the only black superhero in play and mm-hmm, not and mm-hmm. not even that Marvel. So, you know, I think that I would love to see them maybe even retire the Black Panther character and just move on to more to other black superheroes. I could see that. No, I think, you know, and also, you know, in the Black Panther um, mythos, they have, uh, you know, there's a, a time where Doom. And and this is what had been alluded, but anyways, but uh, Doctor Doom comes and basically uh, breaks T'Challa, and so he can't he can't be Black Panther anymore. So then Shuri takes up the mantle and mm. she's Black Panther for a spell. And like that section was good because mm-hmm. the it was interesting because again Shuri's a different character, she's yeah. a different style. Yes. He had a different style of how to be Black Panther, and I thought that was really cool. And that's something that's a natural progression. People really like uh, Letitia Wright. That plays I can see that. In the movie. I would love and that. And I could totally see it. Yeah. And it would actually work. And it'd be fun. And it's a homage to it. It doesn't have to be silly. You know? Yeah. And that's something that could actually work. And, um, Welcome that. Yeah. And I think that would be dope. And I think in lieu of that, like I actually agree with the um, the don't cast a new person for the role kind of a thing. Um, purely for, a, for something like this particularly, I could kind of see where like, yeah, let let this one kind of be, you know, most t- normally people will recast the role. You kind of keep it moving. But I think for, for once, I hope that they, they kind of don't do that route mm-hmm. and they kind of just pass it on to something or something to that effect. So we'll see. I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see how it all gets resolved, but I agree. I think it, it sucks that that's, that was like a, the third thing people would think of like, Oh man, who's gonna play black Panther next. As opposed to being like, yo man, this dude played some really dope mm-hmm. roles. And and his catalog really was a very specific about who and what he played. Yeah. He made sure that 
you know, he, you know, he was that, the, the he's like, that's, that's the nigga that plays everybody, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they say you the icon Negro. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and honestly, to that effect, like I actually didn't mind that. Cause I was like, yo, I think that's, that was his bag. That's what he wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And you know, as much as we enjoy Black Panther as adults, like watching it, you know, the youngins, like think about it. If Black Panther came out when we were seven years old, eight years old, holy crap. <laughs> yeah. Blow your mind. I remember yeah, absolutely. in the elder statesman in the in the chat, in, in the in the on the pod rather. Um I, I remember the first time I saw Black Panther and I was like, this is kind of whack because <laughs> You know, like you can come up with another name. Like you, 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 yeah. just, you just had to call the black guy Black Panther, and yeah. the, the overt, <laughs> the overt, uh, homage, the overtness of the homage to the Black Panther Party movement, yeah, to me was just really ham-handed and just kind of like you know you're pandering. And, and Black and Panther, the name, name itself is super. It's like a, the most superfluous of superlatives. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Black Panther. Panthers are already black. You know, it's <laughs> so you know. For me, it was yeah. it was it became a thing where I was like, right. So Black Panther, ignore that guy. Um, and even though he looked like me, and I was very much you know, even at a young age, a very big advocate for. Uh, for for black superheroes, I was a big storm. I am a big storm fan. I was a big Luke Luke, Luke Cage fan. Um, yeah, I was raised actually. My introduction to to comic books was Luke Cage and 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 uh and, and Iron Man. Um, hmm. but as he, you know, as as time went on and he was reintroduced and re- sort of reinvented and revamped, uh, in the nineties, that was when I sort of you know I, I sort of took a second look at him and you know, him becoming, him becoming almost like the guy who would just show up and things, you know, like, when it became a thing where, like, Black Panther showed up in the comic and you like, oh, it's about to go down. <laughs> like, right. whatever, yeah. whatever the story is, it's about to go down. It, 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 right. it just, it just got, it just got really, really real in a very different way because T'Challa's here. And, right, right. You know, so, I think that, that was, that was a thing that sort of jumped out at me when I was a kid. Yeah, no, I think that 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 was something that was interesting, and then, you know, in the recent years, when this last maybe like ten years of comics and stuff like that, the pivot to highlight characters like Luke Cage, like Storm, like T'Challa has been interesting, and I think you know, in the newer characters that got introduced, you know, uh, Miles Morales and those kind of mm-hmm. things are, are definitely welcome and really dope. But it was also cool to see that they would take existing characters that just didn't really get that much uh, love and attention yeah. and give them some some real actual like I, I would implore people to check out Tennessee Coach's uh, Coats is a uh, Black Panther uh, yeah. run. Mm-hmm. And it's really, really well done. And I think, you know, it was his first comic ever doing, and you can see it in the first issue, the second issue. But once he finally hits his stride, then he just he had to tell some really cool stories and really develop some interesting, interesting stuff. So um, but yeah, man, I think that's that in on a positive note, I think the legacy of a lot of the stuff that he did, whether it was for Jackie Robinson, whether it was for Thurgood Marshall, you know, James Brown, you know, in the Black Panther role, um, I think it the inspiration that he gave to a lot of people, you know, even the younger folks, is something that will be that will live on for a long time. That'll be for sure, people. absolutely, absolutely. Um, but yeah, I want to, you know, we're gonna wrap this up. Give a little final words. D, you are our guest, so you know, 
give a short final word before you, we uh, we head out. So hit, hit me with whatever you want. <laughs> well, I'm going to start by just saying thank you to both of you guys for uh, inviting me on. Let me come on and, and rant and rave. Uh, you know, I'm always willing and ready and always willing to talk black stuff, nerd stuff, blackity black, black, as, uh, <laughs> as Cam so eloquently puts it. Um, this was, I enjoyed this conversation. So, yeah, uh, again, thank you. Nice, nice. Josh, final word? Uh, Final word, final word, final word. I had something, and as soon as you threw to me, it, it left very quickly. Um, Rest in peace, obviously, Chadwick Boseman. Um, yeah, the comic, the, the, the world, the, the, the world of entertainment in general will not be the same from, from Friday on. Um, yeah, he, he just, he, he left, he left his mark. He left his mark and he did what he wanted to do. Um, and I'll leave it there. Uh, whatever else I was going to say is not more important than that. Can I just add one more thing? Uh, this is a personal thing to the two of you. Uh, thank you. Cause I, I finally... I finally embraced Star Trek Discovery. And it oh my <laughs> man, yeah. It was, it yeah, was like a big, it was like one Michael Burnham, it was like one big hug. Yes, sir. And, and, <laughs> and from one moment to the next, it, at the end of season one, when Enterprise, I can't even say, spoiler alert. Fuck it. When when Enterprise shows up and it's Pike and it's everybody, I'm just like, ah, it's just a big hug. So, uh, and and just from everything from that, I mean, wow, just great. That's all I wanted to say. I'm waiting on you to watch Picard, son. There's more. There's more. Of that. There's more of that waiting. For See. You. That's another episode, guys. Jeez. <laughs> got to do a Star Trek episode now. We got, well, season three's coming up, right? So uh, maybe yeah, we, uh, you know, if you guys are down, maybe we review a few episodes after they come, at, you know, like like with Lovecraft Country. I'd be down. Yeah, there. yeah, oh, yeah. for sure. No, no, we could def- no, we could definitely do that. Um, yeah, yeah. My final word, I would say, piggybacking off the Star Trek. If you haven't seen Star Trek Discovery or Picard, you're you're, you're fooling yourself. Fool. They are really, really good from a non-Trekkie to a Trekkie. Like, you just need to go ahead and watch it because it's just good television. Yeah. And I think in a in a sea of tons of stuff to watch, uh, those are things that I think Trekkies and non-Trekkies alike will really enjoy. It is, it is standout and, uh, television, I was, for sure. I just, you know, like, you know, and just for a quick note on Picard, like, I really, really enjoyed Picard purely because... Picard was still Picard from Next Generation, mm-hmm. and the world had passed him by. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah. That's, and, you should write Picard, <laughs> and that makes it. And that's part of the reason why the show is so good because everyone around him are like, "Dude, the shit has changed. You can't be the same old Picard." <laughs> and and that's the crux of the whole show. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it's him trying to help these other characters around him to kind of refine their uh optimism and their their uh altruism yeah. I think, through the whole show the world I that has completely be... gone bananas yeah wow. and... see i'm even more excited now because again this is a guy i was uh i grew up on on the next generation and in deep space and everything after the next generation i've pretty much seen mm-hmm. um and so yeah it's yeah yeah and i think you know both discovery and picard really reward the 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 diehard Trekkie fan of their for their fandom and I think they did really good. As a diehard Trek fan, Um, I can co-sign that a million times over. You get you get so many rewards. 
Mm. And then in a quick note for a Star Trek Lower Deck, this shit's fucking oh hilarious. God, yes. Please go oh, watch it. We forget that. Yes. 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 Yo, it the it's it's the reason why it's so good. And I was funny because my uh my girlfriend's dad is a Trekkie and we were talking to Star Trek and he was I was telling him, I was like, the reason why it's good is because you know, at some point in your Trek life, you've always thought about what about everyone else? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who, who's who's cleaning the the blood off the floor of yeah. the freaking uh, hollow deck when someone gets killed or like you know when you know all this stuff? So I thought they did a. Re- it's just a funny, funny show. It's very meta when it comes to the Star Trek oh, stuff. Man. So if you if you just you know you're just watching it as a cartoon, it's really funny. But if you know any Trek lore at all, they hit it on the, the nail every single. They go time. in and and you know the main actress she kills yeah. it. Like it's just so fun. So it just. Like I said, I, I'm I'm at a point now when it comes to television shows where like I just want to be I want to have fun and I want to be entertained and like I just enjoy the ride of it. Mm-hmm. Lower Decks is really 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 cool. yeah. Lower Decks is um, one of the most ridiculous things I've ever seen. Like like yeah, I, I don't say that with any amount of irony or hyperbole. It is hysterical. <laughs> it's just it yeah. I did not just did not expect to laugh no, that much. I was no. really like. I was very. I, I didn't think it was going to be bad, but I was like, "All right, let's see what you guys got." And out the gate, first five minutes, laughing. At my I was so. concerned. Okay. I was definitely concerned. I was like, you know, Trek isn't exactly known for nailing humor, yeah. and 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 like he's like can't put it perfectly. First five minutes, first first five minutes, you will be in tears. Although I will say, Discovery does a really good job of balancing the the humor and the serious stuff. Because the characters are so richly told that uh, yeah. much like um, we made this point about um, Batman and the way he's used in BVS in that you don't have to force those humorous things on Batman. You just need to let Batman be Batman. Yeah, just and let him be humor yep, exactly. Someone else can be the, yep. the, the funny guy. Yep, exactly. His interaction 100. with Barry Allen alone is funny. Yeah. Because yep. th- these are two different types of people in every way. So um, yep. I, 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 I love that about Discovery that as soon as you get to know these characters, the, the movements and the thing, the interaction between Sarah and uh, Saru and uh, and um, and and Burnham and 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 then how when Pike comes in, it's just so seamless and it, it's just. Oh man, and that yeah, that, no, was, they did, they that did. was something that I had major like I was like, yo, season one is amazing. It's it's chugging along. And, oh, the Enterprise, come on, man. Yeah, like, you didn't need to yep. do that. You don't need to involve the Enterprise. And and literally, you get nervous at first. The, yeah, the, mm-hmm. the first episode of season two after the Enterprise arrives, I'm like, oh okay, never mind. Sorry, my bad. Like, yeah, yeah. No, they they do the. Anson Mount, he does a great job as Pike. Spock came in and fucking killed it. And yeah. Michelle Michelle Yeo just like yeah, enjoys sure. being a, a oh, anti-hero she, so much. <laughs> she is so good. <laughs> you know, she and I is one of those things where like, you know, I think I wish that more traditionally quote unquote altruistic uh actors that play the good heroes yeah. play more anti-heroes yes. because you can tell how much fun they have mm-hmm, yes and they really enjoy like okay I, I could be an anti-hero for this little amount of time oh i'm gonna freaking chew the hell out of oh, me oh man i mean they just they were i mean it was just everything like the appearance of of uh rain wilson as mud i mean oh, i man. was just 
it there was just so and going back to Anson Mount, that's the reason why I watched Hell on Wheels because I'd always seen him like previews of stuff with him in us in humans. I heard was horrible, but there wasn't much mention about his performance. So when I saw him as Pike and he's just nailing the cadence and the beats and bringing his own thing to it, mm-hmm. I'm like, this dude can act. Yep. Like this dude is really nailing this performance and so that's when i went back and watched hell on wheels and lo and behold once again he kills it i mean just just nails it all all around just a brilliant actor very underrated yep nah you star trek in general man they they definitely i give cbs a lot of credit because they definitely like let them run with it and just have a lot of fun and um, I really, I got my my parent, my dad, my mom, because my parents are the ones that got me into Star Trek, and they yeah. were, you know watching the original. So we used to watch Star Trek: New, uh, Next Generation yeah. as a family every episode, and so we used to watch it and sit down and like all that. Deep Space Nine, Voyager, Enterprise as well. So it was like really, really, really dope. Yeah. And then um, the and then also I was gonna say, in, you know, we mentioned a lot of different black creators and a lot of different books. And I would, uh, I'll try to make sure I put some of those in there. But like, you know, there's a lot of, you know, black centered cre- uh, uh, comic books, yeah. um, creators, and you know, someone. Uh, I think it was oh, K- uh, Kari Randolph. He's a New York uh, comic book artist. And the, someone was saying like, "Yo, man, you know, after Milestone kind of ended, you know, I wish more people would do Milestone type stuff." And he was like, "Yo, man, we've been doing that." since (laughs) and he just listed a bunch of books that were really dope you know excellence and freaking bitter root and you know all these other ones and so i think yeah the black you know black also so there's so many um really good you know black uh, comic uh, character created and black creators books that are just really dope and so i'll I'll try to make sure i put that in the um in the in the notes so people can kind of check out some of those books because yeah like blue marvel is awesome you know the tenacity coaches his black panther was really good bitter root which is by sam green and um uh and his and his crew is really really cool you know monster hunter set in harlem in 1920s like there's just some some really cool ideas that creators are starting to do and i think um i thought i hope more black people would um one support other black folks that are putting out some really great stuff but then also just you know knowing that like you said there's so much great you know black created art out there and creations no and so now it's more trash 100 percent, and it's, <laughs> yeah. it's we're, we're, we're at a good point where now you know we are everyone's very cognizant of spending our dollars on other black people and trying to really uplift that kind of stuff and i i welcome when i see really good quality artwork and that's one thing that i really make sure that i put the time and effort into you know supporting those brothers mm-hmm. you know and and sisters yep. and really making sure that like yo this is dope let me make sure that i pay and like you know support it because like again you know we want more of this you know i don't want to be in the, the mixtape phase where everyone has a comic book <laughs> everyone has a story right and it's just really shitty you know it's yeah. just like yo man. Not, so it's <laughs> good these are th- like you know Atelvia Butler is coming. Her, the stuff they're getting ready to adapt some of her stories. These are quality black stories that show the nuances of different types of black people, and not just the one type of black person that you're always getting in in mainstream Western uh, media. So, uh, yeah, it's it's. Uh, I think with Milestone coming back, and with all with now there being a more rem- remember Cam years ago at. And uh, and Josh, you know this too. When we were when we were um, employees at that at that network, you know we mm-hmm. 
we <laughs> network that shall not be named. Yeah, at, at, at that network, you know, it, it was always a conversation, this conversation about, oh, black people don't like sci-fi and fantasy and all this stuff. And, you know, I'm paraphrasing. No one said that right out to me. But at the yeah, same yeah, time, yeah. that was the sentiment. You know, it, it's it's that's the idea that drives how black content is created. And I'm glad that that's start, starting to fall apart. Yeah, one hundred percent, man. I, I I definitely agree, and I think that I'm glad that people, as part of the um, the movement of Black Lives Matter, and like people being more cognizantly aware of you know Black people's trauma and all that kind of stuff, people are also starting to understand and really realize, like, yo, there's a lot of Black creativity out there. We are, you know, the ones that do push the narrative and the creativity of a lot of different things. So now it's really starting to support and uplift those other black creators that are putting out some dope shit. Like, that's my thing. Like, this is good, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, we don't need, I don't need another, I don't need a black Iron Man. Exactly. I can, I can find right. me, you know, I don't need a black Iron Man. I need, a, I need another yeah. character. You know? <laughs> yeah, I don't want right. it either. Yeah, you know? like, like, use a hardware revival so. out this month. I can I can I can I could I could use a, a an actual Mr. Terrific. I'm just just saying. Exactly. Well, I, I don't even you know, like Icon, Terrific. but I want Icon. <laughs> exactly. 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 See, I I laugh because one of my good friends, he was like, I don't like Icon because you mean to tell me there was a black Superman in slavery and he didn't save us? Okay. He's a Republican, so <laughs> you know that make that, that makes all the sense when you add that nugget in. I think that that was probably uh, uh, McDuffie's most regrettable thing that he I, did. I agree. I agree. Uh, I agree. In terms I of agree. that character, so we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll, I we'll. I think Icon has gotten much better in more modern terms in terms of his overall opinion. But we'll, we'll, we'll he's still a dope character uh, despite and, all that stuff. And I think that's what we might you know. Next time around, we'll do a book club and we'll be like, yo, we're going to read these 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 selections of stuff yeah. and then have that conversation. So we could do a, you know, a little swath of static. We could do some icon. We could do some you know, bitter root. Yeah. And we can kind of have those conversations. But yeah, you're right. That We'll save that one for next time. Yeah, absolutely. So, but yeah, thank you, brothers, for having this conversation. It was always really, really fun. And uh, yo, man, table the truth, blurred lines, and we out. Peace.